Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Barry and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Barry, B-E-R-R-Y. Thanks for your help. I'm coming home to Roto World. I'm bringing Roto World back. We're bringing Roto World back, guys. Roto World's coming back. That's right. We are reunited, and it feels so good. Shout out to Peaches and Herb. What's good? Actually, the better question is, do you want to be great? Of course you want to be great. Of course you want to win your league. That is why you are here with us. Welcome. I am Michael Smith to the 2022 Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide Show. We have got everything you could possibly need to dominate your league. Rankings, sleepers, strategies. We got guests. We got Chris Sims. We got Mike Florio. We got Peter King. And more from RotoWorld.com. But most important, we got the man himself, Matthew Berry, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, my friend, to NBC Good to be Sports. Here. Welcome to the other side. Right. Hello from the other side. <laughs> Welcome to NBC you know, Sports. <laughs> you know, you did that journey before me, my friend. I am happy to be here. I am thrilled to be here. Thrilled to be coming home to Roto World. I don't know how many people know, but I started my career at Roto World, and so it is a homecoming for me. It's a full circle moment. Couldn't be more thrilled, Michael. And you and I, you and I have chopped it up before, yeah. doing fantasy broadcasts elsewhere, so it's so much fun to be doing this, not just here, but here with you. Thank you, man. We'll be doing this every Sunday morning, getting you set, set your lineups to dominate your day, dominate your league, as I mentioned. This is great, man. Like I said yeah. before, I, I feel like I'm Derek Carr and you're Devontae Adams. We gave you a boatload of money. We traded <laughs> for you. I don't know what else we gave up to get you, but we feel like we have definitely upgraded our roster by adding the one and only talented Mr. Roto uh, to, in, to the NBC Sports family. Uh, it's just really good to have you, man. Congratulations on man. the move. But listen, let's get down to business. And before we start to get to specifics with your rankings uh, and, and, and with particular players in their situations, Let's talk about, let's call them Roto World Reminders. Yeah, sure. Some macro principles that people should keep in mind as they draft. And, we, and we're mostly approaching this from a, a, a redraft league, a snake format, uh, not so much from an auction format. None, but nonetheless, just general principles people should keep in mind. Fantasy football is all about, they take nothing else away from this show. Take this. Fantasy football is all about putting yourself in a in the best position to win mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. That's it. Minimizing odds and putting yourself in the best position to win. That's it. Like it is it is a fluky game. Weird stuff's going to happen, so all you can do is minimize odds and put yourself in the best position to win on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. We hear everyone talk about these season-long right, stats. Right. But your goal in fantasy football and season-long fantasy football is to beat one team 
in one week that's ahead of you, that's, yeah. that you're playing that week, right? And so ultimately, like we, listen, the Cooper Cups of the world, the Jonathan Taylors of the world, that's great, guys that dominate week in, week out. Yeah. But that's not likely the case, okay? Like think about last year, okay? Last year, weeks 9 through 12, Devontae Freeman, Mark Ingram, and Daryl Williams were all top 16 fantasy running backs last year. Yeah. For a month. Yeah. I mean, at this time last year, again, Devontae Freeman was sitting on his couch. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Daryl Williams was like a, a not even thought of Kansas City Chief backup. The fact is, is that throughout the year, there will be weeks where you have to build your roster yeah. and you'll use the waiver wire, you'll make trades, players go up, players go down. Think about Amon Ross St. Brown over the final six weeks of the season. Yeah. So, that's my point is understand as you go into your draft this is a weekly game mm. and you do not need to come out of your draft with a with a roster that you're going to start every single week because that's impossible right what you need is a foundation and a a blueprint of of building blocks that you can add to throughout yes. the season off of the waiver wire off of trades yes. as players emerge so what you're saying is the work is just beginning, but it doesn't Correct. end here. Yes, you are tuned in to the Rural World Fantasy Football Draft Guide Show. And yes, you will be watching us on Sunday mornings, fantasy football pregame. But you also want to yeah. watch this man weekdays, fantasy football happy hour. You got to manage this roster. Yes. This draft that you're, this team you're about to draft, you got to manage it as the year goes on. All right, so that's rule number one, or reminder right. number one. Happy yes. hour, tailgate. Are you sensing a theme yet? Are you sensing you see a the theme? You see the bar? Here we are, at? you know. Listen, it's fantasy. We're pre Let's have here. some fun. We're pre-gaming here. All right. Absolutely. Uh, rule number two that you want to touch on is don't overreact to rookies, which is really hard. There's so much hype this time of year coming out of training camp. Yeah, I think the pro – Jamar Chase, awesome, right? Justin Jefferson the year before that, amazing rookie seasons, historic even. But that's the problem is, is that I think there's too much hype on rookies. Now, there's a lot of rookies that I think are interesting this year. The Drake Londons, the George Pickens of the world, 100%, right? Chris Olave, right? We'll talk about them as we get into the show. But there's not shooting for a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson just isn't realistic. For every guy like that, right, there's guys like, there's like guys like Devontae Smith, right, or Rashad Baseman, Bateman, or Terrence Marshall, or Elijah Moore. Mm -hmm. Remember all the hype Elijah Moore was getting last last preseason? Yeah, yeah. Like they all showed flashes last year at certain. Right. Well, maybe not Marshall, but the rest of them did, right? But this game's Kader hard, right? Kadarius Tony had a, had one one or two good weeks, but generally speaking, do not overreact to rookie wide receivers. I will say, however, I do think it's worth drafting them, and then over the it takes a while for rookies to get it. So if you do end up with a rookie, patience. Mm -hmm. Again, think about this, the last six games of Amon Ra St. Brown, right? Amon Ra St. Brown uh, last year over the final six games was a top three fantasy wide receiver. Think about Jalen Waddell down the stretch. They were both great. So if you do draft a rookie, patience, because it takes them a while to get used to the NFL and uh, realize that the Jamar Chases and Justin Jeffersons of the world is much more the uh, – the exception than the rule. Absolutely. Uh, and patience is not one of my virtues. As no, you know, I know. facing me in fantasy. Oh, my God. I blow up my team. No, you have no idea. Like one weekend. I just, I'm, I'm the most impatient Find man. some. <laughs> I've been in many leagues with Michael Smith over the years. It's all I can say to America. Find somebody that looks at you the way Michael Smith looks at the waiver wire. <laughs> and like, trades. Right, I mean, and trades. And trades. Like, always oh, man. constantly working the phones. Uh, right. right. Reminder number three is pay close attention to QB upgrades. Yeah. I, I think the best example, of course, is that Cooper Cup. Think about, obviously, a historic record-setting season for Cooper Cup, who went from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. Massive upgrade. 
So what wide receivers this year, and we're going to get into it further on later in the show, but you just think about some, some wide receivers this year that are getting a quarterback upgrade, including Cooper Cup's new teammate, mm-hmm. Allen Robinson, who goes from, you know, uh, the mess that was Chicago last year to Matthew Stafford. DJ Moore now with Baker Mayfield in Carolina. That's an upgrade over mm-hmm. what he had last year. Terry McLaurin's going to play with the best quarterback he's ever played with yeah. in his career. Deontay Johnson, I argue that what they have in Pittsburgh is an upgrade over Big Ben from last year. Marquise Brown, Lamar's great. Yeah. I think Kyler's a little bit better, hmm. right? And they have more of a connection. Uh, Michael Pittman, I think Ryan's slightly yeah. an upgrade over uh, Carson Wentz. The Denver guys, yeah. massive upgrade getting uh, yeah. Russell Wilson for Ju- Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Julio Jones yeah. goes from Ryan Tannehill to Tom Brady. Yeah. So I just – I think don't underestimate the importance of being with a good quarterback or a good offense. We want to target players, obviously, on yes, good offenses, yes. good coaching, everything yeah. like that. And we're going to get into all this throughout the next however long we're going to be here. Hey, just quick follow up to that. Do you also use that philosophy when it comes to running backs or even defenses? Just like the rising tire floats all boats, I guess you could say. But just how, what a, a difference a quarterback makes throughout an organization. So you look, do you look at running backs that get quarterbacks and say, okay, yeah, they could throw the ball better, which takes pressure and fewer people in the box or on defense, and maybe they're playing with a lead, that sort of thing. A thousand percent, all of that. I yeah. mean, again, look at Leonard Fournette in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Look at Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. like, when you have a good quarterback, you are in scoring position more often. As you said, defenses now suddenly have to pay attention to everything. They can't just stack the box, yeah. like, if you've got a bad quarterback. Like, and so, uh, a good quarterback, yes. You know, rising tide floats all boats, yep. 100% there. All right. Uh, reminder number four. This is especially important. This, this, this may have been, should have number, been number one. Shout out to, to Biggie Smalls. This rule should have been number one. Don't overreact to preseason because that's where we're at right now. Recency bias comes into play with these drafts. You're drafting this time of year. You're watching training camp. You're watching preseasons. It's really hard not to overreact to what we're seeing in in the here and now. It is, but I think Jamar Chase, speaking of him, is just a great lesson. Hmm. Last year, he had Didn't a couple catch. of bad drops. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, this guy can't yeah. catch. And yeah. people were dropping The ball him. is different. Right, right yeah. exactly. Like, yeah. he's been out of football for a year. Like, that's yeah. what happened, right? I mean, so, you know, think about the, you know, preseason superstars, the, the Darwin Thompsons. Remember Darwin? Like, everyone's all about Isaiah Pacheco right now in Kansas City, and he's having a great camp, and understandably, there's some buzz there. But, like, a couple years ago, everyone was talking about Darwin Thompson. Mm-hmm. Now, Pacheco and Thompson are very differently built running backs, and I, I have more confidence in Pacheco than I did in Thompson back then. But still, the point is, is that there absolutely are nuggets that you can glean from the preseason, things that are important in terms of usage and, and what players are being in certain personnel groups. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to overreact, okay? It's week one. Like, Antonio Gibson is not suddenly going to the bench. I, you know, people are, all, people are all very worried now about Antonio Gibson because he, he, he played in the third quarter. He had a bad fumble, right? And Brian Robinson got the, got the uh, goal line carry and converted the touchdown. Antonio Gibson's going to be fine, okay? Mm-hmm. He, I, I, I'm telling you, I believe Terry, he'll be fine. Traylon Burks, they're all, they're, everyone's ready to throw uh, yeah. fantasy dirt on the, uh, uh, on, the, uh, on the grave of Traylon Burks' fantasy value. And it's like, it's one week. Yeah. Like, they're, they're going to need pass catchers. So my point is, is like, that preseason can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Tune in to the show every single day on Peacock and uh, the NFL on NBC YouTube channel. We'll be doing the podcast. We'll be talking and sifting through this throughout the season starting August 22nd. But um, people have a tendency to overreact. Mm-hmm. 
It's just preseason. And finally, this is the buzzword you hear in actual drafts. It, it's applicable to fantasy draft upside. Yeah, look, first two, first couple rounds, you can't, we always say you can't lose your draft in the uh, you can't win your draft in the first two rounds. You can lose it. So when you're early on, you want to go safe, but otherwise, you want to go upside, right? Talladega Nights, it's Ricky Bobby, right? We say if you ain't first, you last, right? Mm -hmm. It's that's the thing. Like no one remembers second, right. no one remembers third. Um, so flags fly forever. So I think you want to swing for the fences, and and so for me. I spent a lot of time on my rankings. I spent a lot of time on my rankings. Yeah. And even I, when I'm in a draft, I use them as a loose guideline. Every draft is different. Uh, every situation is different. Uh, how players come into your team and what other teams are doing in the, in the draft or in a salary cap format, you need to react on the fly. And the minute the games start playing, those rankings are out the window. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? And so ultimately, I'm a big believer in sort of get the guys you want Use the rankings as a loose guideline, but ultimately it's your team. Thank you. Get the guys you want. Don't be, don't be beholden to the ranking. I'm so and glad this is a guy who that. does and rankings and for a living. That's your job. Yeah, no, I'm right. so glad and you I'm said telling that. You that. Get like, and I was going to add that. Get your guys. Get the guys you want to watch. It's supposed to be fun. This is fun. Like, We're get the, the players you want to tune in on Sundays and like, you know, hey, I, I, I like this team. I want to be a part. I want a piece of the Buffalo offense or a piece of the Kansas City offense. Just get the guys that are going to be fun to yeah. watch that you want to root for, not the guys that the experts tell you are two spots higher than the other guy. I love that. Right. So and at this time last year, no one, and by no one, I mean not any fantasy analyst, not any fan, not anyone in the NFL knew Cordero Patterson had a know, top right? 12 fantasy running back season in him. Yeah. Like, he was on his eighth team, right? Yeah. And, and the Falcons, by the way, they went into the season thinking Mike Davis was going to be their yeah. guy. Yeah. But, all, but Cordero Patterson, you just you never fun. know. Get your guys, use the rankings as a loose guideline, yeah. have some fun very Take, quickly. Swing I, for the fences, yeah. I do think insurance is important. We're in, we're in an era of COVID. You remember last year, week 15, Austin Eckler, Travis Kelsey, a lot of big names were out. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to have uh, insurance. And I also think that, look, again, you want, as we talk about it being a weekly game, mm -hmm. the Alexander Madisons, the Tony Pollards of the world, like uh, the, the important part is knowing if one of your guys goes down, who to start. And so the upside of those players, the Madisons, the Pollards of the world, the, the Isaiah Spiller of the Chargers, guys like that I think are important to have, yeah. especially given the nuttiness of the world we live in. All right. Um, you know what? Top of the show, we got to start at the top. You mentioned going safe in the first round or two. Yep. The tried and true method is to attack running back, three down, bell cow, feature running back, which is close to being extinct nowadays uh, with the a number of running backs by committee to say nothing of the injury rate at the position. But nonetheless, running backs dominate the top of your rankings and everybody else's rankings. Having said that, I'd like to focus on three names in particular near the top of your rankings at the running back position because even though they have a great body of work, there are question marks around them. Starting with your number two, and that's Christian McCaffrey, who's played in 10 games combined the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't understand at all what uh, Yahoo drafters are thinking, right? He's currently going fifth. They're worried about what I just said. Well, but then they shouldn't, he shouldn't be going fifth at all. Like, he either needs to be the first or second player drafted in your league or, like, not at all. Like, you either, you're either, hey, uh, Chris McCaffrey, 
missed much of the last two years, can't stay healthy, I'm out. But at or, a certain hang point, on, hang the, on. but hold on, what I'm saying. Well, at okay. a certain point, though, you're like, okay, I, I gotta draft him. Like the, the 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 reward outweighs the risk, which is why you got him at two. That's why I got him at two. Yeah. But my point, is, yes, at a certain point, but that certain point isn't five. Like my point is, is if if you're willing to draft him in the first round, mm-hmm. he should be first or second because the upside is so massive mm-hmm. as well. I mean, right? Again, he had played five full games last season. He averaged 23.6 fantasy points per game over 112 scrimmage yards, over 23 touches. He was five over the last three years on a per game basis. He is 5.4 fantasy points better per game than every other running back in fantasy. You know what this speaks to? Like he's to? not just he's not just the best. Yeah. He's best by a mile. You, and you so, know what this speaks to? What's that? Your first reminder. Yeah. It is a weekly game. It's a weekly game. And if he's game. on the field that week, he you like you, your chances. He, he helps you win. Yeah. And so, but my point is, is that if you want to say, like, I'm risk averse, mm-hmm. I get it. But then you ain't drafting him fit. You're mm-hmm. drafting him, like, 20th. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. when you say at a certain point, I'm with you at a certain point. But, like, you're not drafting him ahead of Dalvin Cook if you're worried about the injuries. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, you're either in or out on Christian McCaffrey. Gotcha. You either believe or you do not. And so you believe. I believe. I believe I'm at two. And you can make an argument for him at one. If I'm going to draft with you and CMC goes over JT, I get it. Mm-hmm. So, for me, I think the upside outweighs the risk. Right. There, every player is a risk on every play. Sure. And it's just and listen, it's just the health because you talked about QB upgrades. Baker Mayfield. Yeah. There's an, there's an upgrade there in Carolina, so there's a lot of reasons to like there, Christian There is, and, and Ben McAdoo, I think I have confidence in, in Ben McAdoo as well. Remember, the last two years, he has been unhealthy. But prior to that, Chris McCaffrey never missed a game, never missed a practice, yeah. never even appeared on the injury report. This is a guy that stayed healthy throughout. And now, and by the way, Mike Ryan, our injury expert, who's been a, a, a trainer for the Jaguars for 20 years in the NFL, head trainer for Jacksonville, he'll join us later in the show to break down CMC yeah. and other uh, players that have some injury concerns. You're either in or you're out on CMC, I'm in. Okay. Um, the other, well, there's two more running backs I want to touch on in this segment. Okay. The other is uh, another guy that's been reliable, but last year not as efficient, although the touches, you still got nobody challenging him for touches. He's still a focal point in the Tennessee offense. I'm talking about Derrick Henry. A lot of mileage getting up there in age. Do you still believe that Derrick Henry can be, he got hurt last year, can be the Derrick Henry that won leagues the previous two years? Uh, I do. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, Derrick Henry was winning people leagues last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, up so until got he hurt. got yeah. hurt, yeah. Derrick Henry was legit just winning people the leagues. He was just awesome. I hear you about, I hear you about the wear and tear, mm-hmm. and we just and don't 4. know. Four point three yards a carry is pretty low for him. But the volume: twenty nine point six touches a game last yeah. year, twenty seven carries a game, second in red zone carries per game, third in goal line carries per game. Yeah. Like they fed the big dog, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they fed this guy. And my expectation is that's what's going to happen once again this year. Yeah. The wear and tear, look, it was a tough injury, but I think the concern here on on him is he caught first the ball off, more too, Les. He caught the ball more. The other thing on on uh, on Derrick Henry is while he's had a lot of usage recently, he's not he he hasn't been used as much. Com- I think people forget what he the first couple of years he was in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He came into Tennessee. Demarco Murray was established. Mm-hmm. There was a time in which they, they were using Dion Lewis, I and he couldn't that, like right. they could he couldn't get in the field for the first couple of years for whatever kind of a reason. Late bloomer, yeah. Right, and so the last couple of years tremendous usage. Here's the other thing I'll say about Derrick Henry. I don't have a stat for this, <laughs> but the dude's built different. 
He's yeah. built different than me and you. Yeah. He's built different than everyone. He's an alien. Yeah. Right. He he is a genetic freak of nature. Yeah. And so like to be that big and that fast. Yeah. I like the comps of like oh at this certain age or this many carries you know running backs break down like that doesn't apply to Derrick Henry because yeah. it nothing applies to Derrick Henry. We haven't seen anything I, I, like that. I've said this before. So like. I'm not a small guy. Like you can't really tell sitting behind the back. I'm six foot, 200 pounds, right? I'm not saying I'm a massive dude, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, a, I'm a, I'm a larger than average human being. I'm six foot, 200 pounds. I have stood next to Derrick Henry and <laughs> I am like, I'm like, I'm Ant-Man yeah. next to him. I mean, yeah. like, I felt small next to him. And again, I am not a small person and he's just a massive human he's being. He's also very fun to have. It's, it's, it's fun to have Derrick Henry just going off for three touchdowns and, you know, and just running over people. And that's your guy that you're rooting for. It goes back to draft the guys you want. They said when he got injured last year, he's out for the season. Yeah. And then he came back. He's a genetic freak yeah. of nature. One more guy with some questions. His are both on and off the field. Obviously, they're the, uh, the, the assault situation from Las Vegas that has Alvin Kamara uh, in the crosshairs and under the microscope of the National Football League for disciplinary purposes. Uh, recent reports have suggested that he may not be disciplined uh, this year, if at all, because his legal process uh, is ongoing. So maybe in the clear from a discipline standpoint, wear and tear is a question with Alvin Kamara. Uh, also just doesn't have Drew Brees anymore as his quarterback. So why still high and a believer in Alvin Kamara in the first round? I think he plays. I'm going to rephrase this. I think he will be eligible to play every game this season. You can't predict injuries. Gotcha. But and we got Mike Florio coming up later uh, in the in the show, and he's he'll he'll break down this situation even further. But from everything I can tell, mm-hmm. it feels like this is getting kicked down the road, yep. as it were. The, the 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 court case keeps getting pushed back, and it doesn't feel like the NFL wants to make a ruling right. until even the though le- they can, they can yeah. yes. But until the legal process plays out, I think yeah. the NFL is saying let's we're going to let the legal process play out yep. and. Once we know, once that, once the legal determination of the case is, is determined, then right. we will make a ruling as to whether or not we discipline them and if right. we do discipline them for how many games, et cetera. Right. And so my, my belief is that that doesn't happen until the 2023 season. Right. So I think he's going to be eligible to play every game. And I think he's a value, again, it, try not to diminish the seriousness of the allegations, no, right? We're talking fantasy football, and this is purely yeah. from a fantasy yeah. football point of view. Um, so he is going outside the top ten of running backs because I think people are worried about the, the, um, suspension, the, yeah. the, the suspension possibility. But if you knew he was going to be eligible to play all 17 games, you're talking about a guy who last year was the fifth best running back in fantasy on a points-per-game basis, right? Averaged 22 touches a game, third most in the NFL. He had the fifth most total touches. He had nine different games with 15 or more fantasy points that was tied for fourth most among running backs. Like, he was Alvin Kamara last year when he was healthy. He did get he did get banged up here, but I don't have. Doesn't a have a, a challenger, you know. Workhorse, I don't have a stat you know. for this either, but <laughs> he's built different. He's not built different. <laughs> well, he, he is though. He, I know. Well, I mean, right? He <laughs> yeah. is. He is. He is. But this is another one. Football players are humans. Mm. Football players are humans, and Alvin Kamara knows that there's a lot of questions about him mm. as a football player and as a human being this offseason that they weren't there before. And so I just, I think the guy balls out this year. Okay. I think the guy has just a, I think he just. He's an incredible player. He's an incredible player. And I also think as we think about the Saints offense, you know, 
healthy Michael Thomas, he's back. Yeah. Chris, Chris Olave, Olave. Yeah. right? They added Chris Olave. They really added Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Really good offensive line. Great defense. Uh, great defense. Yeah. All of a sudden, Alvin, it's not ju- they can't just focus on Alvin Kamara. Yeah. All of a sudden, defenses have to have a lot more to worry about with New Orleans than they yeah. ever have before. Yeah. Whereas for many years, it was just the Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara show. Yeah. So I think even if he gets slightly less touches, again, this is a guy that had the third most touches per game last year. Yeah. Like instead of 22, he's getting 18 or and 17. You talked about safe. You, you, in the first round, you want sound. You want a safe investment. Can't get much safer than Alvin Kamara. Disciplinary right. issue notwithstanding. Right. Exactly. So. The other thing that's interesting about him, and then we move on, is that I think that when you're think, looking at running backs, talk about the insurance. One thing I always like is, is there a clear-cut insurance back for that running back? Mm-hmm. So, for example, Dalvin Cook goes down, you know, hey, draft Alexander Madison, right. and boom, that happens. Right. We know exactly who's going to take his role. In New Orleans, it's Mark Ingram. Yeah. I mean, and Mark Ingram still has some burst, right? You know, look good last year when he gets an opportunity. Yeah. All the reports out of camp is that Mark Ingram right. still looks good. Right. It'd be a good value pick. Good late. value pick late yeah. in your draft. My point is, is, as opposed to some running backs, when they go down, it's going to be a, by a committee. Right. Or a free-for-all in a waiver wire. Right. And you're, right. you're stuck Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you're just like, Absolutely. oh, you're, you know, I can't believe I missed out on that guy. Yeah. In the case of Kamara, you can ensure if there's a suspension or, or an injury, yeah. you can ensure it with Mark Ingram. Which goes back to your point that insurance is important. All right. Chris Sims is coming up. When we come back, we're going to dive deeper into Matthew Berry's running back rankings all of his rankings. We are just getting started. Believe me, your head's going to explode with all the information we're about to give you. But you know what? Your team's going to blow up too. And you'll thank us later. Stick around for more of the 2022 Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide Special. That's right. We're at the Hall of Fame and I'm with a legend, a Hall of Famer of the fantasy world, Matthew Berry, joining NBC Sports. So happy to have you a part of the team, buddy. Chris, it's a dream come true. I've watched this forever. To be a part of the broadcast is amazing. Oh, look at that bromance. Oh, my right. God. I'm getting a little jealous, Chris. I Who, thought you were my brother from another. Well, you, I am. I am your brother from another. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, it shows you that you can fight through some adversity in life. This is an Aggie, a Longhorn. Who says Who we can't thought? get together? Exactly. Hey. You know, all you need fun. is hey. love. There you go. Look at us. <laughs> Look yeah. at us. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who not thought? me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's very true. Uh, listen, very there's true. not a party until Chris Sims joined the set. Okay. Uh, earlier on in the show, Matthew, we talked about some of the uh, top end elite running backs. Yeah. You know, your your Jonathan Taylors, your Christian McCaffrey's, your Derrick Henry's, your Alvin Kamara's. Let's go back into your top 10 rankings. And if you don't mind, I'd like to go to the bottom of your top 10. And Aaron Jones, and let me cheat and go two for one. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in particular with the Packers, minus Devontae Adams. We know about the question marks at wide receiver. How much is their value now increased, not just as rushers, but also as pass catchers? Yeah, significantly so is the answer, Michael. I think people are really panicking on this Packers offense in a way that they shouldn't be. Yes, Devontae Adams is a great player. Yes, that hurts Aaron Rodgers a little bit. But if you look, we have some data on what this Packers offense under Matt LaFleur with, uh, without Devontae Adams looks like. And when Adams was out, Aaron Jones averaged 4.5 receptions a game, just 2.4 when Adams was in there. There's seven games in which Devontae Adams missed and Aaron Jones was quarterback under Matt LaFleur. And in those games, Aaron Jones averaged 25.7 fantasy points per game. Aaron Aaron Jones did. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones averaged 25. Aaron Jones. That's what I'm saying. Aaron Jones averaged over 25 fantasy points per game in the seven games where there was no Devontae Adams 
under LaFleur with Rodgers at QB. Rodgers, gotcha. 25.7 would have been the number one running back in fantasy last year. Now, we know that A.J. Dillon is coming on. We know they want it to be a 1A to 1B situation. But I think there is a scenario here where people can be too low on Aaron Jones and also too low on A.J. Dillon, who last year had more rushing touchdowns than Aaron Jones, who last year had 41% of his points come from receiving in PPR. So my point is, is that I think people see A.J. Dillon, they see the quad father, right? And they think, oh, this guy can't catch. He can he catch. Can. And yeah. that's how they're going to make up for the loss of Devontae Adams. It's going to be sort of by committee. But, Chris, these guys are going to both be involved in the passing game for, again, one of, if not the best quarterback in football. Yeah, no, no question. I, I'm with you. I don't think everybody should panic quite so much about no Devontae Adams. First off, yes, it's Aaron Rodgers, right? He's going to know where to go with the right place with the ball. They still, you know, they got some unproven commodities as far as superstars are concerned, but I think there's still going to be enough there between his talents, a good system like you're talking about, and then they'll have defined roles. I do think A.J. Dillon's going to be the, you know, between the tackles bell cow guy. And then, like you're kind of saying, Aaron Jones is going to be the screen guy or, hey, he split out a receiver and maybe he motions back or maybe he's at running back and motions out to receiver. And I think they're going to try to get him into space. But I certainly can see them leaning on that those two a little bit more this year than, than maybe we've seen in the last few years. Yeah, and by the way, I think you could see both of them in the same backfield at the same time. I think they'll mm -hmm. get creative with those guys. I know they believe in both of them. I personally have I have Jones at running back nine, as you saw. That's where he's going on Yahoo. Yeah. I have Dylan at running back 22. He's going at 25 on Yahoo. So I think both guys are values this year. I have both higher in the overall than they are on Yahoo as well. So weirdly, I think oftentimes we don't love running back by committees. But in this particular case, Michael, mm -hmm. I actually think both guys will have value, especially at their current ADP. And Aaron Rodgers, I believe, in seven games without – Devontae Adams, 19 touchdowns and one pick. Yeah. I know I'm pretty sure the choir over there when it comes to Aaron Rodgers' ability to turn water into wine, right? Yeah, right, right. too many people are making a big deal about Tyree Kill, not with Kansas City. Wait, yeah. They're going to be fine. Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams, they're going to be fine. You know, it's going to be a little – sometimes I think, you know, wide receiver by committee can also be a pain in the butt for defenses mm -hmm. where, oh, wait, I don't know what guy they're actually going to make the guy here in this certain, you know, crucial situation. So I'm not really concerned about it. You know, again, I don't know if it'll be as pass heavy in Green mm -hmm. Bay, maybe a little bit more of a balanced attack than we've seen the last years. Yeah. And I think their defense is going to be damn good, too. Exactly. So it might be a little different style of how they win games uh, than we've seen the last Stock two, three years in Packers Green Bay. Backs, well, and that's what we're saying yeah. here, right? Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. If they go a little bit more balanced, as Chris is talking about yeah. here, again, it gets cold in Lambeau quickly, right? Yeah. And so what do you want to do? You want right. to run the ball, especially when you have a good defense like the Packers can there, do. Can there be one guy I can make off that list that I like your list there, your top, top 10? 10? Let's throw the top 10 back about. up again. Yeah, yeah. who you like? I, I, mean, I, I mean, I like your list. I'm not trying to – Appreciate Number it. 10, DeAndre yeah. Swift, right? I just look at that and go – Damn, they got a good O-line. And then with, with Dan Campbell from the Bill Parcells School of Coaching, and we're going to smash your face and eat your kneecaps and all that stuff, I just think that has a chance to be somewhat special this year, uh, or at least more than what people expect. And I don't think, again, as you guys know, Jared Goff is not a superstar to where I don't think they can just lean on him to say, hey, we're going to win and throw it 40 times a game with that crew there. Number 10, Swift, and number 8, Mixon, because of their improved offensive line are guys that I kind of look to have a little bit more of a bump up than yours Maybe we've seen in the fighters. past. Right. Yeah. We talked about this at the beginning of the show, Chris, and, and the other segment where we, where we talked about the running backs and just how important it is to have a pass-catching running back and yeah. somebody that can get you play, you know, points on all three downs here. I think people forget, because the Lions were so bad last year, 
how good DeAndre Swift was before yeah. he got hurt. He was impressive. First, yeah. uh, first 11 weeks, he was a top four running back in both total points and points per game as well. 17 touches or more in eight of the 10 games prior to injury. People were worried about Jamal Williams last season. Yeah. That didn't come to fruition. Jamal Williams, a nice player. Right. But DeAndre great Swift, interview. DeAndre <laughs> Swift yeah. a, a great interview, <laughs> yeah. right? right? Like, yeah. Jamal Williams, you are welcome to come right. to the show anytime you want. But uh, I think people forget just how special a player DeAndre Swift is. All right, let's go down a little further down that running back rankings list and check out numbers 11 through 20. And particularly, Matthew, I want to ask you about James Conner. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people might predict that a touchdown regression is coming. Like, oh, he won't score 18 touchdowns again. But they didn't have Chase Edmonds to compete with anymore. No, he doesn't. I, this is the thing that I don't think people realize. I don't believe the touchdown production last year was fluky. Why? Because look at what Cliff Kingsbury has done since he's come to Arizona over the last two years. Over the last two years, the Arizona Cardinals are top five in the NFL in red zone rushing attempts and goal-to-go rushing attempts. And to your point, no Chase Edmonds there. Okay, Last year, James, only Jonathan Taylor had more carries in goal-to-go situations than James Conner second most rushing touchdowns in goal to go situations as well like that is a part of their offense that is a staple that is what Kingsbury likes to do in fact he's really good around the goal line he's a finisher he's a better pass catcher than he gets credit for Definitely. with no change you know I think he had over 40 receptions last year and so with Chase Edmonds now in Miami yeah Darrell Williams is a nice is a nice insurance pick you know and some depth for right, them right you know Benjamin I know they like but yeah. there was a reason why both guys were free agents you always, we always say this, right? Follow the money. Yeah. Chase Edmonds and James Conner were free agents this year. They let Chase go to Miami, and yeah. they made a, a priority to bring back James Conner because of what he brings to this offense. Yeah. Speaking of pass catching, so yeah. we, we know he's greater on the goal line, but DeAndre Hopkins out, Christian Kirk gone. Maybe there's even more value beyond the, just the red area for James Conner and uh, that Arizona offense. Yeah, right? maybe like, you know, just what we talked about with like Green Bay, they might lean on him a little bit more there. I, you know, I think they have a great formula that just – absolutely fits James Con James Conner's skill set. You know, again, you mentioned it. His they, they like to spread the field. They put you in a bind even without DeAndre Hopkins. Damn, they got some receivers out there that stress you out. We know they got a good tight end. Then you got to worry about, "Oh man, Kyler Murray on the move, the quarterback design runs." Those are all things that help open up holes for James Conner. And then, "Oh wait, we're worried about, you know, doubling this receiver or or trying to stop this." James Conner out of the backfield, phenomenal route runner. Kingsbury's got a pretty good feel for screen game down there, too, that gets him in the end zone. Yeah. And then he's he's a pretty big guy, too, to where, to your point, when you get on the two or three yard line, he can run over some people and take some contact mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, push it in there like a, like a bell cow uh, that, you know, we don't expect from him at times. He was so good at scoring touchdowns, people don't realize James Conner, James Conner was top 10 last year in receiving yards among running backs. He was ninth overall. He had six different games in which Chase Edmonds missed. All right, six mm -hmm. different games. And in those four, he finished as a top 10 running back. He's currently going as running back 16 on Yahoo. I have him at 12. I'm higher in the overall as well. I get it, guys. Uh, but if he regresses in touchdowns and only scores 15 oh, instead yeah, of 18, only 14. Yeah. James Relative Con regression. Yeah. That is Arizona is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. Yeah. And we, it is rare to find a guy that is going to get the majority of touches on one of the best offenses in the NFL, and you have it in James Conner. Yeah, okay. Uh, speaking of, well, let's go back to the conversation about running back by committee, or rather tandems. At the risk of disrespecting Ezekiel Elliott, am I crazy for preferring Tony Pollard, or can both things be true, where you can love both guys and, and not necessarily at the expense of the other one? 
I don't think you should, Michael, I've known you a long time. You and I worked together at ESPN for a long, long time. I don't think um, you should qualify are you crazy with anything beyond that. Like, it doesn't, your, your love for Tony Pollard doesn't mean, uh, there, there are many reasons why you're crazy, my friend. But what I would say to this is, is that I don't mind liking him better at the ADP. I do think Ezekiel Elliott is being massively um, uh, underrated this year. I think people, people saw Tony Pollard uh, explode last year and like, that guy's got so, he's so explosive and Ezekiel Elliott looks slow and like, it's got to be the Tony Pollard show. All right, Tony Pollard isn't a guy that is, in my opinion, Chris, you can agree, disagree with me here, but I don't think Tony Pollard is built to be a 20 carry a game guy. Okay, Ezekiel Elliott, it's also again, follow the money. Jerry Jones can play Ezekiel Elliott 12 million or something this year, right? After this year, he's out of the guaranteed money. But get this, last year, Ezekiel Elliott, okay? Last year, Ezekiel Elliott uh, tore, partially tore his PCL in week five. Uh, oh, sorry, in week four. But the first four weeks of last season, Ezekiel Elliott was the sixth best running back in total points. Had four touchdowns. He averaged nine, nine yards a game. He's, he's super durable. Yeah. I don't think people understand how hurt he was last year. It's going to be a better offensive line. Again, as we sort of talked about with the Packers running backs, look at the Cowboys. They lost Amari Cooper. They lost Cedric Wilson. That's why I like Pollard. Which I like. I Again, I think it's similar to the Packers situation. You can, I think you can like both guys, yeah. especially at their current ADP. So I don't, I think you're crazy, but not about Pollard. I, what I was saying is, is that I just think that Zeke is going way too late. He's going to get 16 touches a game, mm -hmm. if not more. Mm -hmm. He's going to get all the early down and the goal line red zone work. He's still going to be the guy around the goal line, right? And it's on one of the most efficient and best offenses in the NFL. Like, and he's healthy. Again, I just, people don't. He tore his PCL, and the guy still managed to get out there, but that's why he looks slow yeah. and he limped. I well, he's not getting younger. He's not getting younger. Right, so he's, he's not, beat up. I, I'm going in, you're crazy, and I'm agreeing with you. Okay, you're saying fair enough. I'm what with do you, you got? at that point. Okay. Well, I like, I mean, listen, I, I wonder if the Cowboys are going to cut off their nose despite their face here with this, just because we paid them, and we got to justify this mm. contract. I'm more along with you here, Michael, okay. and just the fact that, you know, again, I, I don't know what they're going to do, and it does seem like they're going to favor Ezekiel because of the contract, and they picked him in the top five and everything there. But, man, does he leave a lot of meat on the bones when I watch film and watch him. And that's what, that's what does bother me. I, I was one the last year, if you go back and anything I saw, I was always going, I don't understand it. I understand he's, you know, Pollard's not as big and as physical maybe as Ezekiel Elliott, but there's other running backs in the league that are smaller than, than Tony Pollard that are sure. still getting the ball a good amount. And this is one I just wonder. I just wonder if the Cowboys are going to be stubborn here. I do prefer Tony Pollard, but I understand but, your logic all yeah, the way. Yeah, I mean, look, fantasy is all about talent and opportunity. I believe Zeke is going to get that opportunity. Yeah, like, right. even if he's not the most efficient game, even a player, even if, it, if the yards per carry has gone down, he's still going to get volume. Again, I just – I don't believe he's going to be – he's had at least 16 touches a game every year of his career. Mm. Tony Pollard last year had 130 rushing attempts. Right. Two rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And, and, and here's the other thing, Chris, and you're somebody who played in the pros for seven years, so I think you can speak to this. This is something eight that – yeah, Eight don't, years. Don't sorry. That year <laughs> <me>. uh, sorry. <laughs> seven good years. I earned that um, year. <laughs> yeah, fair. No, I'm, I'm messing with you. All right, but, you right, right. So you're like – right. So you, you can talk about this, I think, significantly so, right? And right. this is something that I think gets lost in fantasy analysis all the time. Football teams, like every other business in America, there are internal politics, okay? And they're like – it's like in the, in the locker room – not all the best players don't always play, right? It's it's something about like it's about who's the guy. I just don't see if Ezekiel Elliott is healthy, right? 
that that locker room, that right. Mike McCarthy, that because that Jerry Jones is all about that team, right? Yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. that that team all runs through. I don't see Jerry coming down and saying, Zeke, you carry Tony's lunch. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. hey, you 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 carry the clipboard yeah. and let Tony. I just again, I even if you. he's more efficient, I, I don't blah, know blah, blah, if I see blah, it either. You're right. You know I, I mean, right? I agree with you there. Yes, right? Yeah. It is yeah. politics, right. and he's Jerry's guy. He paid him a ton of money, and to your point cut up your nose to spite your face. Yeah. Like Jerry's not going to say like I made a $12 million mistake or a $90 million mistake for the overall deal. And I also would argue that part of the reason why Pollard was so explosive last year is because they used him in the right spots. Right. Like if he, if he was the every down guy, sure. but yes, you were right. I think they use him more in the passing game because of the lack of exactly. other weapons they have CD beyond right. CD Lamb. Right. And Dalton for Schultz sure. for that and, yeah, No, but listen, you, t- you talked about the contract. Maybe it's a paid in full situation and everybody eats B. Um, let's go to some ambiguous uh, backfields back to the aforementioned Chase Edmonds uh, in Miami. You feeling Chase Edmonds or Raheem Mostert more? Honestly, both. <laughs> I, know, I, right? I, I mean, I, look, I mean, Mostert needs to stay healthy. But what I will tell you is, is that I'm very excited about what Mike McDaniel is going to bring to this offense. Mostert and Edmonds are both great pass catchers, and you've got guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle who can also go into the backfield. They're gonna, you're going to see a lot of sweeps and motions and, and pre-snap motion in yep, this offense. Agreed. It's going to be a it's going to be a lot of great stuff. Edmonds, I have Edmonds higher than over, higher in the overall, and Mostert higher in the overall. I have both guys higher. Again, I think it's going to be a much better offense. Both Edmonds and Mostert are again pretty good pass catchers. Edmonds, what I will tell you about Edmonds is that when, on a points per touch basis, since he's come to the league, he's top ten in the NFL in terms of fantasy points per touch. Yeah. When Chase Edmonds gets an opportunity, yeah, he produces. Good. I hear you. And I, I, I've said this a million times this show. I'm going to say it again. Follow the money. When free agency opened. What did the Dolphins do? They yeah. went out and spent a lot of money on Chase Edmonds. They also signed Raheem Mostert, reuniting him with Mike McDaniel. Raheem must start. We always used to call him <laughs> in fantasy. Like, he, he's an explosive guy too, Chris. Very. I actually think both guys, especially given their current ADP, are going to provide value this year. You don't need to speak to the, the ADP piece of it, Chris, but just in terms of how they fit into what McDaniel wants to do. I think you're spot on here. I mean, it's, it's McDaniel's from Kyle Shanahan. We've yeah. seen Shanahan. It's kind of running back by committee a little bit that way. And, like, uh, Mozart, one of the most explosive running backs in the game. And certainly they're going to pose some problems to you when you go, whoa, Tyree Kill, Gasecki, Waddle. Oh, no, we got to worry about this, this, and this. And then you add in the creative game design play by McDaniel. Mozart can be the home run hitter for sure, but I do worry about his health. That's the biggest yeah. thing. It's, it's year eight. He's an NFL running back that is not real big. And I think if you made me choose either one, I'd probably go with Chase Edmonds just because he's younger and he's a little bit more well-rounded, even though Mozart's the guy that can go 80 yards to the house mm-hmm. and strike up the band that way. And there's value there. But, yes, he, I guess, scares me just a hair more. Yeah, no, listen, I, I have I him at – here's what I would say about most – I have it running back. I'm at overall 95. Right. Right? He's going at 144 on Yahoo. So, I yeah. think – I think Mostert can be either sleeping on him, but I mean, I have Edmonds higher too. I I mean, I I have Edmonds at 87 overall. Um, He's he's going at 92 on Yahoo. So yeah, I mean, I agree with you. If you're choosing between the two, Edmonds, but I think both guys have value this year. A lot of questions about the receivers in Kansas City. Running backs, the same thing. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not consistently lived up to being that first round pick. They've already Ronald Jones, uh, another guy who for the most part has been disappointing in his career in Tampa. But the star, one of the stars of camp on offense, Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers, yeah. uh, has been lighting it up. Uh, which way are you leaning in Kansas City if you got to pick one of those guys? How about none? Like none. I just because I think it's going to be what what Andy Reid proved last year, what the Chiefs proved last year. They don't need to run. 
Almost every other team in the NFL needs to run. But when you have Patrick Mahomes, yeah. you don't. You can throw it 40 times a game and win and right. win consistently. My expectation here is that I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes away. Mm -hmm. But I do think, as you saw last year, it was CEH, it was Daryl Williams, there was Jarek McKinnon. And by the way, he's back. Derek That's Gore. who I love. Derek Gore That's last year. Right. right. So yeah. it just feels sure. like I think it's going to be a bit of a running back by committee. It's right. still going to be a pass-first team. Um, I think Pacheco's worth an, is a, a flyer, but mm -hmm. he's getting so much hype now, and he's he's rising up draft boards, and you're just sort of like, I mean, you know, again, remember the lessons of Darwin Thompson. Again, I'm not saying they're built very differently. You know, Pacheco has some underlying metrics that Thompson never had. Yep. But everyone was talking about Darwin Thompson at a Chiefs camp three years ago, and then he did absolutely nothing. Andy Reid traditionally has been sort of a veteran guy. Even, even in Clyde Edwards-Alaire rookie year, they spent a first-round pick on him, and he couldn't get, you know – he couldn't get the full-time workload. So, to me, this feels more like Staying a – Staying away from it. Yeah, like I don't mind a late-round flyer on Pacheco or yeah. Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, McKinnon uh, would be the one I would favor. Yeah. Because of his playoff performance? Well, yeah, the playoff performance, you know, I think he fits really within what you're talking about. He's, the, to me, out of the whole group, the best pass catcher, too. Mm -hmm. So, And he's got a little bit more – power and explosiveness than I think he's gotten credit for just because it you know had those years of injury with San Francisco there but man he has caught my eye a little bit really uh the last two years a little bit to where I just go I think he's got a little niche here and yeah Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been a little bit disappointing Ronald Jones I think is going to be more of maybe hey I form run between the tackle kind yeah. of guy and that's where I think, yeah, they're still going to throw it 40 times a game, and McKinnon can be the guy. Yep. I don't mind at the end of your draft if you want to throw a dart on one of these guys, sure, but I would not want to go into a, a, a season counting on anything from any of the Kansas City running backs because yeah, I do I think it's going to be a running back by committee, right. and you're going to be guessing week to week who's going to get the goal line carries. That's a great segue into San Francisco. If you, <laughs> yeah. want, if you want to play shenanigans, <laughs> uh, Elijah Mitchell, who, you know, talk about, you know, follow the money or follow the draft pick. Yeah. We all were enamored with Trey Sermon going into the season last year. Elijah Mitchell ends up being the guy, although he wasn't healthy all year. Now you got another third round pick in uh, Tyrion Davis-Price from LSU. If you gotta, if you want to drive yourself crazy, pick a 49ers yeah, running right. back. I mean, so right. you're going with the guy from last year or you're going with the, the new blood? No, in, I, in like, I like Elijah Mitchell. I think he proved himself last year. It's still one of the best offensive lines in football. And the other thing, Michael, we've done studies on this. Traditionally, Running backs with with running backs on teams that have mobile quarterbacks tend to do better because mm. you got to keep a linebacker yeah, in to sure. spy on the quarterback, right. and so you, this offense is going to look a lot different under Trey Lance than it did under Jimmy Garoppolo. And so, again, like just some sweet, you know, you're dealing, we're worried about Trey Lance, and then you're doing some sweeps behind Trent Williams with Elijah Mitchell. I, I do think, especially when you consider Elijah Mitchell's. You know, I'm at running back 21, which is about where he's going on Yahoo. So I think he's a low-end RB2. Is there some risk involved? Sure. But he's in that sort of running back dead zone, which we're going to talk about later in the show. Uh, I do think there's some upside there with a Mitchell. I don't really trust uh, the rookies yet, again, because we saw no. what happened with Trey Sermon. I don't think Mitchell did anything wrong last year. No, other than Jeff Wilson. Don't yeah. sleep on oh, him. Yeah, yes, that's yeah. a Jeff great Jeff Wilson was the guy that he was, stash well, last year. he was the guy and yeah. then got banged up and yeah. Elijah Mitchell kind of took over. Yeah. And Wilson kind of fits that, you know, Raheem Mozart mold yeah, yeah, of yeah. being the home run hitter. And I, I do know my buddy Kyle Shanahan a little bit. He loves the psycho fast guy who can just put his foot in the ground and there's the, my cut. hole in the zone yeah. scheme and I'm just going to go, go yeah. gadget, you know, legs. And that's where I think he could come into to, uh, into play. But it, it's hard with, with Shanahan on that offense because of all the reasons you stated already. And, and that's, why he, that's why we have Mitchell, you know, 
at, you know, as a low-end RB2 is because they use multiple backs, because of, because of Wilson, because there's a chance that Trey Lance vultures a handful of touchdowns at the course of the season. Yeah, that's right, you asked me too. to pick a 49ers running back, it's Elijah Mitchell. I 100% agree with you, though. If you're looking for insurance, given the injury concerns of Mitchell last year, it would be Jeff Wilson Jr. Of course, he also was banged up last yes, year. Right. But, yeah, so, uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think they have so much depth at the position, the 49ers do, because they've dealt with it over the years. Yeah. They call this the dead zone, but let me tell you something. This is where I live. Matthew Berry could attest this is true. to the fact that I have been a zero running back guy since before they started calling it zero running back. Yeah. Like, this is how you win leagues multiple times over, is you wait until the middle and late rounds, and you get the guys that other people are sleeping on or undervaluing. Because running back, man, it just gets, it's, it's too volatile. I, it's just too would, volatile for me. I would love to disagree with you, but the, the truth of the matter is, is I've been in many leagues with Michael, and Michael is massively a weight on running back guy. He is a zero RB truther. Denny Carter's he my guy. Is, he is a disciple. We here. Of Denny Carter. We here. Our Roto World <laughs> Fantasy Football expert. No, I ain't a disciple. And, okay, and, let's and, get it right. I, I've, been, I've, been, I've been preaching uh, this guy. <laughs> I, I, am the, I am your John the Baptist. Okay? <laughs> that's, I didn't know the, that till just now. I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, yeah. thank, I'm thrilled to have you here. So, uh, yeah. who are some uh, zero running back guys that you are well, especially hang on, wait, high Mike, Mike, before we what, start there. We should explain that, We right? should explain it. Not, not everybody everyone calls knows, a zero running everyone, back. You're right. Not this everyone follows baseball. Denny on, on Twitter. They yeah, should. This is inside and baseball. And make sure you get 20, uh, Denny's actual Twitter account, not the 8 billion parody accounts that exist <laughs> yes. around, about Denny's account. But, yeah, so, Denny, for those that are Break unfamiar, because uh, zero on Bree gets thrown around a lot, and I think there's actually a lot of misinformation about what it actually is. So why don't you talk about, yeah, at least for the purposes of our show, <laughs> what we're defining yeah. zero RB yeah. as in terms of a strategy this year? There's a lot of confusion around what zero RB is. Like you said, Matthew, uh, sometimes I'll post a roster that I've drafted with a bunch of running backs and someone will say, wait, I thought this was zero RB. I thought that literally zero RBs are supposed to be on your roster. It's not, it's not quite it. Uh, so, you know, generally what we're doing is we're hammering elite receivers and tight ends early. And then we're waiting until the middle or the later rounds, you know, most likely the later rounds to get guys who could find their way to volume, whether it's through the passing game or the early down roll or both, ideally. Uh, and that's that's the idea around zero RB is kind of building a roster uh, that takes advantage, that gets better with the chaos of the NFL season. We can't predict uh, what will happen during the NFL season. Unfortunately, we're still working on that algorithm, but uh, with with that chaos, you you can fall into running backs who suddenly are seeing 20 touches a game who are sitting on your bench. You have a built-in starter. That's the idea behind the it's, zero RB strategy. It's also, it, it speaks to what we talked about at the top of the show. It is a weekly game. And so this is where your waiver wire comes right. in. This is where your file budget comes yeah. in. It's like it's, if you can go week to week almost a running back guys will end up emerging and you got a shot at getting well it's the most volatile position Absolutely. in the NFL obviously it's they the one hurt. where there's there's the most injuries yeah. and so there's the most opportunities for guys to emerge you, I mean you know, we talked about this you know at this time last year Devontae Freeman didn't have a job yeah he was sitting on his couch and there was about a month there where he was a top 15 fantasy running back because the Ravens you know obviously lost Dobbins and Gus Edwards in right. the preseason and so I think that's what Denny's talking about that's what we're talking about here it's, is that there are always there are 
there are fantasy relevant players that quote come into the league and they are often at the running back position right. because there's so much injury and turnover so at much the position. Injury turnover and so many committees. I think what three guys played seventy five percent of snaps or something like that last year. Yeah. Uh, it's just the the bell cow workhorse running back is for the most part a thing in the past. Najee Harris's and 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 Jonathan Taylor's are few and far between. Speaking of which, I was a big Ramondre Stevenson guy last year. Denny uh, after yeah. the training camp that he had and then he fumbled and you know he was worth the right. beginning of the season before coming on late in the season. He was a right. he was a healthy scratch for JJ Taylor. Yeah, one week, it was really right? it was really frustrating. And but now he's playing the James White position in training camp. So are you high on Ramondre Stevenson yeah. as a potential quote unquote zero running back target? Well, we, we had a uh, sound the alarm situation on Tuesday morning when Bill Belichick said or he complimented not only Stevenson's pass catching ability, but most importantly, his pass protection improvements over there the offseason. This is the thing that got uh, Stevenson into the doghouse, into the Belichick doghouse last year. He was deactivated for several games after I believe he missed one block on a on a blitzer. But that's all it takes sometimes for a rookie. We know that we've seen that before. Um, but improvements as a pass catcher and a pass blocker, that's big. Yeah. I, it's almost hard to uh, overemphasize how big that is for his potential role in this New England offense. And as you guys know, this Patriots offense is going to look a lot different than it did last year. They've really simplified things with, curiously, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia heading up the offense. Uh, but it's going to look more like a, a Shanahan-type offense, more than uh, than the straight-ahead running style, uh, no-frills sort of uh, Josh McDaniels running attack. I think Ramondre Stevenson fits better into that current scheme uh, than Damian Harris. Now, Damian Harris is not going away, and especially as a a goal line back. He scored, I think, 15 or 16 touchdowns last year. He was one of the most effective short yardage backs. But Stevenson has the every down upside if Harris misses any time as both a pass catcher and the the primary guy on early downs. So if you're fading uh, running backs early in drafts, uh -huh. I think Stevenson becomes a must draft guy. In fact, you know, he's going in like ninth, 10th, 11th round, somewhere in there, depending on your league. I'm, I'm reaching for him. I, I have to make sure that I get him because yeah. his upside is so great. I ranked him actually ahead of Damian Harris. There were five different games last year in which Ramondre Stevenson got 12 or more touches. He averaged over 15 fantasy points per game. He's proven he can do that every down roll. There's some rumors that they were shopping Harris a little bit in the offseason. So I'm with you, Denny. Love Ramondre Stevenson's upside and the fact that he'll get some passing down work means he'll have value in weeks even which Harris is uh, active and certainly right. massive upside if he were to, uh, if anything were to happen to Harris. Give me some other guys that are on your zero RB target list if you're employing this strategy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Stevenson is really just the highlight. In fact, I, I feel like Stevenson's an even better pick per ADP than Tony Pollard, who's also a, a good pick there. But I'm, I'm going to go to Michael Carter. And, and I know it, it sounds strange because the Jets just invested uh, a second round draft pick on Brees Hall, who is supposed to be the uh, primary running back in that backfield. But Michael, Michael Carter is good. Like he was very good last year, very efficient as both a rusher and a pass catcher. I have some some uh, nerdy stats for you guys if, if you like them here uh in uh 2021 his 1.7 yards per route run was only behind austin eckler and alvin kamara that's it those are the only two more efficient pass catchers uh, i've heard so of both those I, guys 
I, I have too. Yeah. I've never drafted them, but you know, I've, I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah, well, they're good running uh, backs. You don't like good running backs. I do not, and yeah. everybody, no, everybody like, knows no, we this like by now. Win. Yeah, That's, we like to win. Yeah, we like to win. We like running right, back. Michael. Yeah, we don't like we but, don't like our, our our teams falling apart because our first round pick got hurt in week two. But jokes aside, mm-hmm. before I derailed you there, Denny, your point is is that Carter is very efficient in in stats that other good running backs are as well. And I think it was telling in the preseason game that both Brees Hall and Michael Carter both got kind of more or less the same run. I think everyone's sort of assuming, oh, Brees Hall's mm-hmm. going to take this job over. No, no, no. They've got a San Francisco coaching staff there. Both guys are going to be involved. One just has a much higher ADP than the other, making Carter a nice target. Uh, what, how, about, how about James Cook in Buffalo, mm-hmm. Denny? What are you thinking there? Yeah. I like him. I, I, I like him increasingly during the offs or during training camp because at first I, I was on Devin Singletary, but it really seems like, according to beat writers, that James Cook is primed to take over that pass catching role. And I keep talking about pass catching with these running backs, but it's such an important part, especially if you're in PPR formats, but even in half PPR. Um, what we want is guys who catch passes out of the backfield and guys who see goal line work. The, the between the 20 stuff is for the birds. And yeah. and uh, uh, so so James so James Cook is taking over that role, uh, and I think that he could be very valuable on an every week basis in PPR formats, um, and of course has the upside of maybe taking over some of that early down role uh, in what should be a, a, a you know a pass heavy Buffalo offense. Yeah, the pass catching bass yeah. back in a Buffalo offense. Music to your ears. Music music to your ears. I have him on my Scott Fishbowl team. I'm very excited about hey, uh, nice. James. Cook. Hey, real quick before we let you go, um, in interest of efficiency, like another way to approach the zero running back strategy is like down the line, guys, not necessarily the guys with huge upside, obvious upside like Ramondre Stevenson, but down the line, guys, where it's like a handcuff and it's somebody right. else's insurance, if there's an injury or a benching of some kind, it could be a home run for you. Just throw out a couple of names of guys that are truly being slept on. That could end up uh, paying dividends if you wait till late to draft running backs. Yeah, so that's the key: drafting other people's insurance backs. We're going with Zamir White, uh, who could get a big opportunity in Vegas. He's looked very good in preseason so far. Damian Pierce, who averaged nearly 10 yards per carry in Houston's first preseason game, uh, according to beat writers in Houston, he should be the number one back in the first month of the season. That's per a, a Tuesday report. And uh, even a guy like uh, uh, Kenny Gainwell. Uh, who was was good, was very good when the Eagles were more balanced on offense last year. I think we're going to see more passing from the Eagles. That's great for Gainwell. Yeah, I would. I, I think those are all great names. I'd add Khalil Herbert. I'd add Isaiah Spiller for the Chargers there. I like uh, I, I'd like uh, Rashad White in Tampa Bay, yeah. uh, Brian Robinson with the Commanders, and of course, and actually James Robinson is being slept on as well. Like that's just uh, some yeah, other right. com- some late round running back flyers as well. Uh, zero RB, absolutely a strategy, but you need to know what you're doing Not if you're strategy. going to employ it. It is the strategy, Denny. It is the That's strategy. Right. My man. That's right. Thank appreciate you. you, brother. Thanks, Thanks guys. You. Keep fighting that good fight. All right, we're I talking <laughs> wide receivers who got big QB upgrades this offseason when we come back. I'd be, I'd be concerned about stepping on the field with you if you don't feel like you've prepared to be the best player that you can be. So, you know, I, I respect his opinion, and uh, I can also respectfully disagree. That's Cooper Cup's comeback to Justin Jefferson coming for Matthew's little Cooper Cup. Matthew, yeah. is Justin Jefferson, though, coming for that number one spot? 
I like the confidence in Justin Jefferson. He's not my little Justin Jefferson. He is my little Cooper Cup. Doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I, I will say this though. Uh, we've talked about this. The Vikings offense, I think people are sleeping on. They're going to explode this year, and obviously Jefferson is the number one. They're getting a massive offensive upgrade in terms of the play calling with Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips coming over from the Rams with Cooper Cup. So you saw what they did with Cup last year. I think the same thing could happen with Justin Jefferson, but Cooper Cup not going away just so fast. Get this. We, we talked about this earlier. But Cooper Cup, again, could have missed the last three games of last year and still finished as the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Like, he can regress a decent amount and still be worth that number one overall pick that we've talked about. I want to stay with that Rams offense, but talk about Cooper Cup's new running mate, Allen Robinson. I am super high on him. Like, I think there's enough to go around and make Allen Robinson a top 15, 12, even 10-ish range wide receiver. I mean, it needs no explanation. He's never played with anybody like Matthew Stafford or been under anybody like Sean McVay. Now, the best quarterback of his career, and it's not close. Yeah. I, I mean, he. this is a guy that was a top five fantasy wide receiver, um, uh, you know, or a top, I should say a top 10 fantasy wide receiver in Chicago with Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, and Chase Daniel yeah. throwing him touchdowns. And now... And he's been killing it in camp. He's been, I mean, absolutely. Like, and so... Uh, Sean, the last two years, uh, the the Rams offense, top five in red zone pass attempts, top five in goal to go pass attempts. You think about Allen Robinson, who's a nice big six foot two wide receiver and go up and win contested catches and 50 50 balls. Uh, Cooper Cup's obviously going to get a lot more defensive attention this year. Yeah. Every defensive coordinator that has the Rams on their schedule. As you sit there and look at Allen Robinson, look at this graphic. It's unbelievable. Touchdowns by quarterback on his career. Bortles, Trubisky, Andy Dalton, like only Trubisky of that list is actually even a starting quarterback in the NFL. And by the way, the way Kenny Pickett's playing, that may not even be the case by the time we get to the season. Sure. I mean, so Allen Robinson even hasn't even gotten touchdowns from really NFL starting caliber uh, quarterbacks. And now he's going to a future Hall of Famer in Matthew Stafford. I think the sky's the limit for him. I think people are sleeping on him. He's going outside the top 20 on Yahoo. I have him at wide receiver 16. Like get this. That. Last year. Robert Woods was, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get this. Last year. 11 different times, Michael, 11 different times a non-Cooper Cup pass catcher on the Rams had 16 or more fantasy points, which last year would have been a top 15 fantasy wide receiver. And now here comes Allen Robinson with, honestly, Chris, I would say even more opportunity because uh, OBJ not there. Van Jefferson a little bit banged up. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, like all of a sudden, like, they have kind of a narrow window. With Stafford in that offense. Yeah. Chris, I mean, you mentioned OBJ. He was going to be Super Bowl MVP before he got hurt. Right on yes, his way. I, I would be shocked. I'm with you all the way on this one. I'd be shocked if Allen Robinson doesn't tear it up. I, I really would. I think you hit it right. One, the guy's super talented. Not everybody knows about it because of the offenses and the quarterback he's been with. He can do it all. He can win on the outside like Cooper Cup and go, hey, it's one-on-one. I can run by you. I can catch jump balls. Oh, wait, you need to put me in the slot and be a good route runner and read the defense. He's very capable of that. I think the attention on Cooper Cup certainly helps him out. Van Jefferson, you said it, him being banged up. I mean, Allen Robinson, and then Matthew Stafford, another year in the offense. I don't know if the Rams' defense is going to be as good this year, which I could see them maybe being a few more shoot, shootouts that way. Mm. So I, I would really be surprised if he doesn't tear it up. And I know he's ready. Yeah. Okay, He works out with my dad and my brother in Jersey a little bit. Okay, And they rave about Allen Robinson and what he does. And I think he's highly motivated to kind of – to your point, show the world like, hey, I'm, I'm still one of the better receivers in football. It was a lost season for him in Chicago. Obviously, some bad blood between the franchise and Allen Robinson. So now he goes to L.A. 
where Sean McVay is a player's coach. Yes. Players love, again, think about Odell Beckham Jr., who's this, you know, crazy talented but enigmatic guy who, you know, really clashed, butted heads in Cleveland, and in the middle of the season goes to L.A. Right at ha- he- Immediately, production, yeah. and yeah. to your point, should have been, had he not get hurt, he's probably the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Um, and so I think Allen Robinson, there's a reason why he's crushing the way he is. And so yeah. uh, he's going to get fed and show everyone, no, 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 this is what I am, yeah. right? Yeah, I can see Cooper Cup having a slight drop because yeah. of everything you said. And now he, he comes up a little bit because, again, you're the Super Bowl champ. Everybody studies you in football. That's the one thing you know. Everybody goes back and goes, well, what are they doing that made them the champs? What are the schemes they're doing? You start to steal that. Everybody that's going to play you on their schedule, you know, they want to make their mark and beat the Super Bowl champs. So they've studied you a little bit in the yeah. offseason, too. And I think that could open up the field for Allen Robinson. They didn't give him $45 million to not throw him the ball. Right. All right. right. Uh, exactly. Meanwhile, Follow the money. In Denver, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, now with Tim Patrick out for the season with the ACL tear. I can't resist, Matthew. You riding with him? Let's ride. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you riding with the Broncos? Here's <laughs> the receivers. Look, we, again, this is something we talked about in the very first segment, the importance of getting a quarterback upgrade, yeah. right? We saw it with Cooper Cup last year. Again, we saw, saw it with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, both had top 10 seasons last year when Tom Brady, you know, went to, um, uh, goes to uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay, right? So uh, the importance of a quarterback upgrade. So here's what's weird is I'm sort of out on Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy this year. Obviously, massive upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater to Russell Wilson, sure. right? You know, all, you know, Mr. Unlimited jokes aside, like Russell Wilson's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he will improve them. But, guys, if you look at what Cortland Sutton did last year, and on a points-per-game basis, he was wide receiver 56. Mm. Jerry Judy was wide receiver 60 on a points-per-game basis. Is Russell Wilson miles better than Terry, Teddy Bridgewater? Of course. Will this be a more fantasy-friendly, a more wide-open offense? Yes and yes and yes. But Cortland Sutton's going as wide receiver 19 on Yahoo. Jerry Judy's going as wide receiver 22. Do I think Russell Wilson's great? Yes. Do I think Cortland Sutton goes from wide receiver 56 to wide receiver 19? Do I think Jerry Judy goes from wide receiver 60 to wide receiver 20? Like, you're talking a 40 wide receiver jump, and, like, it's so deep. Like, you're putting him ahead of guys like, you know, there's a lot of – you're putting him ahead of guys like Allen Robinson there. And so I just – again, we've seen flashes from – yeah, just just in terms of ADP, like yeah. don't hate the player, hate the ADP, hate yeah. where they're going in drafts. And so, do I think Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy have nice years this year? I do, yeah. significantly improve from last year. But at their current price point, there are more proven commodities going inside the top twenty that I feel more comfortable with because we don't know yeah. what Russ is going to do. Is he? You know, everyone's like, oh, that's going to be DK and and Lockett. Not necessarily. And you're like, you got KJ Hamler, you got Albert O, you've got two really good pass catching running backs and and Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, Chris. They could, Russ could be coming in and spreading the ball around. Does yeah, he hit the ground yeah. running in Hackett's offense? Well, yeah, they're going to be in a new offense. That's yeah. the first thing. And I would I would argue here this is going to be the best offense those guys have been in, just like someone we talked about, right, with Allen Robinson. You know, definitely the best quarterback either one that I've dealt, dealt with. I'm a little higher on Cortland Sutton than you are. Just I do think we got to remember last year. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, he's checked down Teddy, so he's not yeah. going to throw the ball oh. deep. Cortland Sutton is a physical freak. And – was on the cusp of being a top 10-ish receiver in football, in my opinion, before he turned his a- hurt his ACL a few years ago. Last year was his first year back from it. I think you could see a massive jump from him. And here's just one other thing that just jumps out to me. Russell Wilson 
is not a big-time, over-the-middle thrower of the football. He's a little smaller. He takes care of the football. He can't always see. Hey, here's a little heat map to kind of explain it that way. The blue is cold. The red is hot, as you can tell. Sutton is a can run by you and a jump ball type of guy where I go, Russell Wilson, as good of a deep ball thrower he is, yeah. that's where I would just say, watch out for him. You know, I understand the trepidation. I get that. I like Jerry Judy, but Sutton's one guy that I got my eye on that I think could really maybe pop on the scene, okay. at least in my opinion. And I, and I like Sutton more than Judy. I agree with yeah. you. Um, you know, if there's a guy on that offense that could be DK Metcalf, Sutton is the guy, certainly more touchdown equity. And to your point, he's had more success so far in his NFL career than Jerry Judy has. These next two wide receivers are fascinating. This example of one team's trash being another team's treasure. So starting in Indianapolis where Michael Pittman goes from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. But by the way, but though, you know what? We've seen, whether it's Calvin Ridley, whether it's Julio Jones, we've seen Matt, uh, Matt Ryan support one fantasy relevant wide receiver and so Michael Pittman I think is really interesting this year uh, he led the Colts in targets and receptions last 12, year interesting why was he I that's too high for me I have him lower than that right. so, I mean like again there's but I do think it's an upgrade for I do think Wentz to Ryan is an upgrade for ultimately sure. for my, uh, Michael Pittman I think he's gonna have a nice year he's clearly uh, a uh, a top 20 wide receiver I think you'd be if you left your draft with Pittman as your number two wide receiver. I think you're in good shape here. Right, right. But I will say that I, I don't. I wonder if because last year it was Pittman was all they had. Right, Chris. Exactly right. And and this year, like, I know we've heard it a million times before, but Paris Campbell is healthy this year, I know. right? Uh, that's Alec Pierce. Uh -huh. Alec Pierce is really interesting. If you right. watch his tape from college, Alec Pierce is really interesting. People that, that watch me at my old place know that I am obsessed with Mo Alley Cox. Maybe, yeah. Is this the year, you know, free Mo Alley Cox? Sure. Um, so, and obviously, it's going to be a team with a good defense, and they want to run the ball with they, Jonathan they Taylor. Run the game, run, right? Like they did at the end of the year. Remember, it was right. a run the damn ball. We were saying, oh, yeah, I think they got to come in this year going through the right. run. I, I, and we're hearing Naheem Hines is going to be even more involved in the passing exactly. game. Exactly. So. I, I, I'm, I'm a Michael Pittman fan, too. I'm with you, though. I think it's more of a number two type of guy that way. He can do it all. But I guess I do – I worry about the Paris Campbell thing. I think you went right where I was going to go. Yeah. Paris Campbell it is his superstar capabilities. He does. When I watch him on film, and, you know, I'm Johnny Film Guy like that, I am amazed at his explosive ability. But health has been an issue, yeah. and uh, I do wonder about that. You know, And, and yeah. I think because of him, Alec Pierce, you mentioned him as well. Uh, there's some other guys that maybe – can take away some of the catches from Michael Pittman. Yeah. I think the offense will be better, to your point, with Matt Ryan. I just think maybe it might be a little bit more of a spreading the wealth type of thing. So when I was talking about trash versus treasure, I right. like Carson Wentz because obviously the Colts moved yeah. off from him, but now he's yeah. an upgrade for your Washington. Yeah, it's Commanders. one of those weird things because I don't <laughs> want to talk. I don't want to talk down Michael before we get there. I don't want to talk down Michael Pittman because mm -hmm. I love the talent, love the player, and I yeah. do think sure. Ryan is an upgrade over Wentz. But last year he was wide receiver 24 on a points per game basis and. Do I think Ryan over Wentz is a 12-point upgrade? You yeah. know, and because he's going as wide receiver 12 on Yahoo, which is really, really rich. Yeah. So, but, one. but yeah. overall, yes, upgrade for Michael Pittman. Yeah. To your point about Carson Wentz, people are gonna call me a homer. Fair enough. Whatever you think of Carson Wentz, he is a massive, and I mean massive, upgrade over all the quarterbacks that Terry McLaurin has played with. Agreed. I mean, again, we talk about Allen Robinson, and you look at the list of those yes, guys. Right. It's a similar list, right? I mean, so God bless Taylor Heineke. Love the player, love the swagger, but 
there's a reason, you know, yeah. he's a backup. Right. Uh, uh, right. And, and by the way, Taylor Heineke was an upgrade over Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, which is the triumvirate that he played with the year before. Yeah. Uh, you know, so McLaurin, it's been a long time since he's had like a perfect, and I mean this with no disrespect, a professional quarterback. Carson Wentz is a professional NFL quarterback right. who can make all the throws. No, he is. No, yeah, I'm not laughing. I'm saying he's on his third team in three years. Though. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it just goes to show you, like, well, I think one it's the team. person yeah. more than maybe the, the yeah. player itself. Yeah. And can you trust him? Which also, I, can, I always go, could lead to more fantasy points. Because Carson, you never know. He could throw an interception. The other, hey, now we're in a shootout, and we yeah. got to throw the ball a right. whole lot. Plus, his skill set to me. It I'm really with just you. speaks yeah, to how bad you had it in Washington. It's been so brutal. But, like, I, the questions about Carson Wentz. I are, you're a commander. Uh, yeah, 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 I know. Uh, yeah, the questions about Carson Wentz are: Can he be a franchise quarterback? Can he be a guy mm -hmm. that you know puts a team on his back and says we're winning this right. game? But we're right? talking about: Can well, he be better for right. Terry McLaurin? Can he be better? Yes. yes. Can he? Right. Can he? Can he run the playbook and and throw, make all the throws and get the ball to Terry McLaurin, yeah. who we know this offense is going to go through again? Follow the money. What did Washington do? No like doubt. Washington is like, Broke we are off. making sure this guy is not going anywhere. Yeah. Pay, made him a bit. So he's going to be the focal Curtis point of that Samuel offense. Samuel healthy. Right? Jahan Dotson takes mm -hmm. away. Like you can't oh. double Terry McLaurin all the time no. and just go, they're going to go to him every yeah. time. And yeah. that's where I, I'm with you there. Right. By the way, yeah. Jahan Dotson killing it in camp. Like yeah. that's a sleeper for you. Like we're going to get to our rookie wide receiver segment. But yeah. Dotson is definitely a riser as we get to our risers and followers segment. But yeah, so I'm, I'm high on uh, Terry McLaurin yeah. as well. But I'm not. I'll tell you one guy that I'm even higher on. DJ Moore. All you got to do is be Woo. higher in a touchdown department Woo. and he's already there, right? I, I mean, DJ Moore. Baker Mayfield is getting the ball in the end zone. DJ Moore is the only I believe he is the only uh, receiver with over 1200 yards each of the last two years. Hmm. Someone will get in my ear and correct me if I've got well, that stat wrong. Yeah, Justin uh, Jefferson's got no, that. No, no, no. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Uh, last um, the last since he's been in the league. OK, hang on. I'll tell you exactly. Well, here, I'll fill in. Yeah, while go, we talk. go ahead. But you I, go I want to make sure I get this. Stat I right. love DJ Moore. Yeah. It's not about DJ Moore. It's just about can the damn quarterbacks and can they protect him in the offense yeah. deliver the ball to him. DJ yeah. Moore is like for my money top five ish in football. You know, he's one of those guys where, yeah, if the system helps him, he's yeah. great. But even if the system doesn't work, it's like, hey, he could throw a screen to him like Debo Samuel or speed sweep, and he breaks seven tackles and outruns everybody. He's, he's a special, special talent. We're at the Super Bowl this year, just for a little side note. Yeah. Michael, Michael Parsons, like, oh, who's the best player you played against this year? He goes, DJ Moore. Hmm. So that just tells you the talent. So it's just, to me, the question is, the offense, the quarterback, sure. can they deliver the ball to him consistently and, and make him the star that, you know, we think he is, but the public sees it. I know there was something slightly off about my stat, and I realized that he's the only wide receiver with over 1,200 scrimmage yards each of the last three seasons. Gotcha. So that's why Jefferson isn't there yet. Like, yeah, we'll, we gotcha. know he'll get, yeah. he'll, he'll gotcha. finish it, but three seasons. But again, he's never scored more than four touchdowns right. in an NFL season. And I say the same thing I say it's about like Carson Dons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The same thing I say about Carson Wentz, I say about Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Like, again, like, we, we can debate whether Baker Mayfield can be a franchise quarterback, but he is a professional quarterback who is an upgrade over what DJ Moore has played with previously, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, um, Sam Darnold struggled, obviously. Cam struggled. Like, Bridgewater. It, Bridgewater. Yeah. I mean, right. like, right. so DJ Moore is a special player. The touchdowns need to come up. I think they will yeah. under Baker Mayfield. Ben McAdoo, ben I think, is going to be an improvement. I'm in with terms you. of that offense. Offensive line yeah. should be better. 
I would be surprised if he did not better too. I'm 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 with you there. Yeah, and, and I have uh, I'm I have DJ Moore all the way up at wide receiver 13. So, so right on the cusp of a wide receiver one. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. slightly higher than where he's going. Yahoo, and I have him significantly higher in the overall. I have at 29 overall. Yahoo mm-hmm. has him at 38. So love DJ so, Moore. So we talked about the people who came up: Robinson in LA, the Broncos wide receivers with Russell Wilson. Uh, Michael Pittman with Matt Ryan, Terry McLaurin with Carson Wentz, and DJ Moore with presumably Baker Mayfield. Let's talk about the people who it seems like might have uh, taken a downgrade, taken a hit at quarterback. You referenced them earlier, the Seattle wide receivers, Metcalf and Lockett, no Russell Wilson. Yeah, I, I mean, do we need to say anything more than that? Oh, uh, hang on, here's like Drew Locke or Geno Smith. Yeah. I, look, but can, but can you end up? Let's okay. You're not right. you're not drafting them where you would have with a Russell Wilson. But could this be a situation? Just given their talent, could it be a situation where you end up striking gold with just a value pick with these guys, or they're still being overdrafted? I I think they're being a little bit overdrafted. I gotcha. I think the concern is like if I had to pick one, give me DK Metcalf mm-hmm. because at least you know he's a red zone threat. I yeah. I feel like there's a floor there with a touchdown. To they paid him. They paid him right. Exactly. <laughs> to me, they're like, and I just think he's a special player, yeah. right? Just. You he know, is. forgetting everything like that. One he's of just freaks. He's of the freaks, right? Exactly. Right. He's just built different, he right? Is. You know, no, I mean, yeah. like, no doubt. And so, uh, so if I had Lockett's a little bit more streaky. What what made Lockett so special is not only his speed, but his connection with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Like their timing was impeccable. And so I don't know that that continues under Geno Smith or Drew Locke, or who knows, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded there. Um, ultimately, I think it's going to be a much more of a run-first offense. Yes. It's going to be an offense that isn't nearly as efficient or scores as much. Pete Carroll never wanted to run, always wanted to run with Russ, right? right? Oh, remember, let Russ cook and everything like that. The problem, and he got away with it because Russell was so efficient. Like, you know, he would, he'd, he'd have 25 pass attempts, but he'd be 21 for 25 or something. He was just so crazy efficient. That's not going to be the case with Smith or um, uh, Gino, Gino uh, yeah, or Locke, I should say. Oh, yeah. But what I would, but the other thing that I would say is, you know, just don't be fooled because if you look at just pure fantasy points, yep. DK Metcalf actually was good when Geno Smith filled in for Russell Wilson last year, but he scored three touchdowns in four games. And I, I think that's a little bit fluky. I, mm. I don't know that you can count on the touchdowns. No. DK Metcalf's currently going as wide receiver 20. He's a stud. On, He's a yeah, top 10 receiver in football, but in, 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 in fantasy. Fantasy, fantasy, it's a different game. And I'm nervous. How many weeks did we go last year where they go, it's three quarters in the game, and they haven't thrown the ball to right. DK Metcalf. There's an offensive problem there, and it's a little too conservative, I think, because of the defensive coach. And, yeah, they don't know how to feed guys the right way out there. Yeah. So i got to see it to believe it before I would buy onto that, even though I love DK Metcalf, the talent, for he's, sure. He's more of a wide receiver three for me in yeah. fantasy, like a high-end wide receiver three. I have him at 22, wide receiver 22. So, uh, you know, or in a 12-team t- league, he's, you know, a borderline wide receiver two. Lockett, I'm much lower on wide receiver 39. I just yeah. – Tyler Lockett is going to be one of those guys that have five games where he just absolutely blows up. Yeah. You're going to have no idea when they come. Hey, yeah. how about this? Yeah. See you next year when you got C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. There you go. <laughs> we'll there we'll you talk go. about them next year. Listen, um, I'm, on, I'm on the clock. You know, I'm looking for a wide receiver two or three. What do I do with a name that jumps off the screen like Amari Cooper? With the Deshaun Watson uncertainty, we still don't know as of this recording – how long he's going to be suspended. I mean, not to mention, that's a run-first offense with Chubb and Hunt. Joku, they paid a lot of money to at tight. It's like, what do you do with Amari Cooper? Uh, you ignore him. You, you move on to somebody else. Let For somebody me, else take let that. Somebody else yeah. deal with it. First up, look, there's so much that's uncertain in fantasy football just to begin with, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a game played with a leather ball that's an oblong shape. 
Like yes, weird stuff Matthew. happens, right? You know, weird <laughs> stuff happens. And so all you're trying to do in fantasy is trying to narrow narrow the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. What can, you know, try to try to put all the odds in your favor. And there's so much that's unknown about Amari Cooper, who's been banged up, who last year had the lowest target share of his career, who, who the Cowboys, you know, and Jerry's in win now mode. Yeah. But, you know, the Cowboys made a business decision yeah. and said, oh, you know what I mean? Like, we want to keep Gallup. Obviously, we've got CeeDee Lamb. We're going to let Amari go. Um, if you look at the splits, Amari has not been great in cold weather. There, I would just wanted to go. That's where I'm with you. I, that's mm. to me where I would have questioned Cleveland going, you look at Amari Cooper on grass and cold weather, he would scare the absolute crap out of me. Mm. I, I'm with you right there. That's where I was like, wait, Cleveland, you want him? Have you watched that all his good games are on turf or in Dallas hmm. when in the, right. the, the, the conditions are right? I don't know. He would scare me that way. I, I think that's a real thing. Right. And so then, and then we have questions about the quarterback, right? Yeah. I, first, like, is he catching, is he catching nothing but um, Jacoby Brissett? Yeah. Or is it Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, looked, looked like a guy who hadn't played football in over a year in, in the preseason yeah, game. Right? I mean, like, before he gets so going. it's going to be a while before, yeah. if he gets on the field this year, it's going to be a while before he gets into a rhythm. He doesn't have that connection with Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper has dealt with health issues. Like, I just, there's too many red flags for me in, in terms of where he's currently going at ADP. He's going at wide receiver 27. I'm even lower than that. Um, so, you're saying like wide receiver four almost kind of guy here. Yeah, right? like I, I and I just, yeah. and when you get into that range, I, I don't know. I, mm -hmm. uh, All right. every league I'm in, Amari Cooper is going to be on somebody else's team. No That's doubt. what I know. No That's doubt. what I can tell you. All <laughs> right. Well, what can you tell us when it comes to guys that have been wide receiver ones who moved on to new places? Wide receivers dominated the headlines. Yeah. None bigger. Chris, I call myself. I'm the Derek Carr to his Devonte Adams at NBC Sports here. I was already here. Now I'm reuniting my man Matthew Barry. So let's you're start. a Hall of Famer. You're saying it's like, hard to go from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. <laughs> right. you know what I mean? So let's uh, let's start with Devonte Adams. Is he still a wide receiver one? Now that he's back with his day one, Derek Carr. Yeah, he is. I mean, I'm at wide receiver four. So I mean, you, you knock him a little bit, right? Going from Aaron Rodgers to Derek Carr is a downgrade. I'm sorry, right? It, it just is. But it not is. mess. I mean, no, you don't have to say sorry. We're talking about maybe the greatest <laughs> talent to ever play the position. So yeah, don't worry. Right? You're good. Exactly. It, yeah. Like it is a downgrade. And even though they played college ball together, they're not going to have, at least initially, the same kind of connection that those two had. You also go to a, a, a Raiders team that has a lot of talent. Is it Darren Waller, Hunter oh, Renfro, like they and, and they're gonna you know they're gonna want to use the running backs as well in the passing game and so Devontae Adams is gonna get his make no mistake but this is a guy that had an over 30 percent target share each of the last three seasons in Green Bay I, I just he's not gonna get an over 30 percent target share especially not when they get in close I think he's gonna have a monster year mm -hmm. again I'm at wide receiver four and I think Josh McDaniels I don't think Josh McDaniels has ever had a wide receiver this talented since Randy Moss yeah right I mean so. He's Josh McDaniels got to be like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Raiders ownership for getting me Devonte Adams. But, uh, but yes, for years, Devonte Adams was the clear cut number one wide receiver in fantasy. I'm at four this Brandon year. Marshall comes I get to mind. Well, that's although, I was just, although I was, that didn't go great. I was there. Yeah, though. I was there. Yeah. That's what I was going to speak to a little bit because I, I'm, I'm agreed. Waller's going to they, they love Waller. Yep. I mean, the Raiders used phrases when I was out there, like we heard John Gruden talk about Waller, maybe the greatest 
specimen I've ever seen. So, like, they obviously think a lot of them, and then that's the Gronk aspect of the sure. offense, right? They got but their Renfro. You yeah. say follow yeah. the money. They're going to make it work, and they got oh. Renfro the slot. Yeah. And, and, and the offense with the McDaniels and route running and precision and all that, that does to fit Devontae Adams to where, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be 140 receptions mm -hmm. and all that, but – uh, he's going to get the ball, to your point, Matthew Barry. They're going to they're feed him big time. Do too. not tell Tyreek Hill that he downgraded Matthew. <laughs> well, he did. I can just tell you it's that. Super, it's super weird because it's almost like, have you not just watched – have you not watched football? <laughs> like, I get being a good teammate. Yeah. I get supporting your guy. But come on. <laughs> what, what do we do? Like, yes, I mean, Mahomes to Tua at this point of their re respective careers is a massive downgrade. Yeah. Now, they are going to – Mike McDaniels, I think, is as creative an offensive mind as there is in football. They will manufacture touches for Tyreek. They will use him in certain ways in right. high leverage situations. He's going to get a massive target share. And, you know, and here's the thing. You could, Tyreek Hill can have a 70-yard touchdown because Mahomes can flick it 70 yards, or he can throw a five-yard bubble screen and Tyreek can outrun everyone for 65 yards, right? Mm -hmm. And it looks the same in the box right. score for us in fantasy. Uh, but... Mahomes to Tua is a downgrade, so here's a guy that normally would be one of the first two or three wide receivers off the board. For me, I'm at wide receiver eight. I have him 20th overall, but that is higher than he's going on Yahoo. Mm. ADP of 26, wide receiver nine overall. Again, he has the second most, since 2017, he has the most receiving yards in the NFL by a fairly large margin. I think both of y'all are still high. Chris, that was scared of living daylight taught me to draft Tyreek Hill. I, I, I hear you. I think it's not going to be the look the same. I think that's what uh, I'll, I'll agree yeah. with Matthew here. It's going to be manufactured. Mm -hmm. It's going to be speed sweeps, reverse, you know, fake the speed sweep to Jalen Waddle, fake the play action run, you know, bootleg. There's Tyree Kill in the flat, and we got him in space, and he's going to have to make more plays with maybe five-yard receptions and then get yak after it. I think that's the big thing. Uh, don't expect, like, oh, it's going to be deep posts, and, hey, you just line up here, and Mahomes and, you know, Tyreek, you just run way over there, and Mahomes will scramble around and throw the ball down the field. That's not going to happen. I don't think you'll see as many explosive plays. Sure. Still think you see a lot of catches. But, two, you know, we talked a little bit about the running backs, the Dolphins running backs. They're going to run the ball. They're going to do that. Gasecki's good. He may not Waddle's be the good. most productive receiver well, on his team I mean, they this got year. A lot Maybe Waddle. weapons there. They're, 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 they anyway, got a really look, talented team there, so that's could, that could hurt him. He's built very differently. But if you think about what McDaniel did last year with Debo Samuel, mm -hmm. I think that's a good I'm model. So. Again, they're different. They're built sure. differently. He may not run between attackers, right, but he'll exactly. be creative. Right. Exactly. But they'll. Yeah. I, but I bet you. I bet you Tyreek Hill gets carries as a running back sure. this year. Again, I agree. Not off tackle stuff, sure. but like yeah, it'll yeah, be sweeps, sweeps, sweeps and reverses, right, exactly. yeah. toss, whatever. Yeah. Yes, they're gonna they're gonna use them a lot of ways. Again, follow the money. Yeah. Tyreek Hill wanted out of Kansas City, and and he could have gone a lot of different places. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that he, the reason he chose Miami is because they talked to him. They said, no, 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 we're gonna get you the ball. That's one of the reasons. Well, he chose yeah, Miami. I mean, like, <laughs> and he <laughs> loves Miami. Yeah, I, listen, I make no mistake. Miami's yeah. a, Miami's right. a lot more fun than yeah. some of the other cities in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And he got paid, but no doubt. he was going to get paid wherever he went. Right, and he's going to get the ball. He's, he, they're going to feed him. Yeah, uh, I know how high you are on Jalen Hurts. By yes. extension, are you equally as high on his new best friend or his old best friend and now best friend again at wide receiver AJ Brown? I am, uh, the, the, because. I don't have a great stat for it. Look, we know A.J. Brown's great, right? But so last year, the two most run-heavy teams in the NFL were the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tennessee Titans. My expectation here is that in the second year under Nick Sirianni, third year for Jalen Hurts in the league, they open it up a little bit more. Okay. 
Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown are very close friends personally off the field and have yep. been for a while. It's been right. well reported and documented. So I believe he is going to help Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts is going to get him the ball. A.J. Brown needs to stay healthy. But, you know, you talk about Yak, right? I mean, so he's a, he's a great example of that. I, I'm a huge fan of A.J. Brown. Look, I'm at wide receiver 12, 28th overall, uh, slightly higher than where he's going on Yahoo, where he's going at uh, 32 overall. This is a guy who, you know, on a points-per-game basis, didn't have a, a great year last year, but um, I think can be uh, someone special that we've seen have we seen prior to last year. Well, kind of a lost season for him last year with Chris? the injuries. He, he's, he's, a, he's a freak show. I mean, he's one of the physically most gifted receivers in, in football, no doubt. I have my questions about Jalen Hurts if they yeah. can't run the ball. Yeah. That's my only thing. There's a lot to like about Jalen Hurts, but I also sit there and go, Man, things could be somewhat easy with one-on-one -on -one matchups and stuff because of the way they run it. It's one of the best offensive lines in football, if not the best. And then Devontae Smith on the other side. Goddard, pretty damn good tight end, yeah. working the middle of the field. So, you know, And then this is the one thing I'll say with Jalen Hurts, too, that I really do like about his throwing. He's a good deep ball thrower. Mm -hmm. He will. He sees one-on-one -on -one matchups. He can push it out there or at least put it in a spot where, hey, just go up and make a play. And we know that receivers are much better at making those plays uh, than DBs are. I don't just – it's one that I'm a little torn between that one. Just because of, because of all the factors I just mentioned. But I love A.J. Brown. The Eagles, to me, are one of the teams to watch out for sure. in all of football. Sure. I just don't know if they'll be the high-octane passing attack that – you know, maybe we see with some of these other receivers we've talked about. All right, uh, let's get into some sleeper wide receivers. Those are the big name guys. And I don't know what qualifies as a sleeper nowadays. Because everybody's reading you and listening to you. Right. Everybody knows everything. But who's still being undervalued and underdrafted? That's the, that's the correct thing. It's, yeah. it's all, it's, it, there is no such thing as a sleeper or bust. It's really like, what does it cost to acquire that player services in a draft? Uh, or a salary cap league? And for me, some guys that are going underrated, we've talked about some of them. But I'll start with uh, I'll start with Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, right? I mean, so you know, I think Marquise Brown going over, reuniting with Kyler Murray in Arizona. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is not there. Christian, he's Hopkins going to miss the first season, six yeah. game, right? right? Yeah. Christian Kirk is no longer there. Does AJ Green still have one more season in the tank for him? They're going to try to manufacture some touches for Rondell Moore, but Marquise Brown is a really good wide receiver and that's going to be a very productive offense. And so okay. I don't think people are really talking about Hollywood Brown. I'm with you there. I'm um, with you. They're going to ride him, and, and you're right, and uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the kid from Purdue from last year. I'm Rondell Moore, yep. Rondell Moore. I Rondell think Moore. so early on for sure. Who else people sleeping on? Yeah, I, I think Robert Woods is going too low. Robert Woods is really good. Yeah. Robert Woods, and everyone's like all about Traylon Burks, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Burks. But Robert Woods is really good, and again, we've seen it with A.J. Brown that Ryan Tannehill and that offense – can support at least one very fantasy relevant wide receiver. Yeah. Robert Woods has, you know, been a top 20 fantasy wide receiver every every year of his career since he went went to LA. Uh, I think Woods is being slept on way too low. Agreed there too. I did, he can work the system. He's a great route runner. He's yeah. the guy. Burks is raw. I think they're not going to be able to depend on him. He's more get the ball in his hands. Right. Woods can really, I think, you know, put his presence in the in the passing game with Tanner. How is it possible to sleep on a dude that scored four touchdowns in a divisional playoff game? <laughs> I know. But Gabriel Davis, a lot of people are think he's being overhyped. Mm. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people think so Gabriel Davis swung is, too is, far is yes is being uh, is being overhyped. I don't think that's the case. Okay, get this. So Gabriel Davis, I want to just give you this stat, which I think is I think it's insane. Last year, 
Gabriel Davis was 98th, 98th in the NFL in targets, mm. right? There are almost 100 players that got more targets than Gabe Davis did last year. 11 different games, he ran less than 20 routes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not even using this guy. And yet he still was top five in the NFL among wide receivers in end zone targets. Guy's barely on the field, and yet still, jo- and when he was on the field, Josh Allen is looking for him. Now there's no Emmanuel Sanders. There's no Cole Beasley. Yeah. Um, there are, I believe, almost 150 targets, uh, uh, over 150 targets available now with those two guys gone. Yeah. Yes, they, uh, we expect a bigger role for Isaiah McKenzie, and they brought in Jameson Crowder, but right. make no mistake. Gabriel Davis is going to be the number two wide receiver in a pass-heavy, pass-first offense from one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Give me one any of piece of Josh Allen you can, I can find. Give me any piece yeah. of Josh Allen. It's one of the things we talked about at the top of the show, Michael, is that targeting off, quarterbacks matter and offenses matter. Yeah. Gabriel Davis has a great offense around him and a great uh, quarterback there. All in on Gabe Davis. You like this year. That's his situation. You like his skill set? Well, I, I do. I like his skill set, and I think the, the situation makes sense, too, for him to at least have more of a presence on the field. I think the big thing is, like, he might not blow us away with stats. Like, right last year, it was around 550 or so, somewhere around there. I don't know if he's, like, going to be a thousand yard receiver, sure. but I think it could be, you know, 800 yards right. with a whole bunch of touchdowns because he'll he's win the, you some weeks. He's the only size guy they got. Yeah. You know, and then you're going to be attention, attention to digs, but. You know, back shoulders, jump balls. That's where Gabe Davis is really, I think, going to make a name for himself. I will say this. I, I'm Buffalo under the radar. I do. I want to see the new offense. And no Ken day ball. Dorsey, I think yeah. people are kind of just going, well, they'll be good because they got Josh Allen. Day ball is really damn good offensive mind. Right. Ken Dorsey taking over. And I'd like to see a little bit there yeah. first. So that just scares me a You'll little bit. You'll see him yeah. win some weeks for you, like the right matchups against the number two corner opposite Stephon Diggs. You'll be happy to have Gabe Davis in your lineup. Yeah, I, I just – He's only 23. I mean, yeah. like, like, they're, they, I know from talking with people in Buffalo, and I, this is last year, they, um, they think they found something in him. Yeah. Like, they were telling me, like, we think we, we found something special in this guy. Hey, let's speed this up a little bit. I okay. mean, we, Rapid every, year, fire. every year people sleeping on Brandon Cook. So is he still sleeping? It's like, it's just, it's just, 100% cause he's him. not sexy, <laughs> but wait, he's, he's like, he's a thousand yards each of the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Massive target share from Davis Mills. We know it's going to be a bad team. They're going to be throwing a lot. Again, I'm higher on Cooks than the consensus are. Yeah. I'm at wide receiver 18. He's going as wide receiver 25. Just a professional wide receiver who's in a great spot. Yeah, can do it all. Route runner, can take off the top of the defense, can make plays. And I think the biggest thing is that they don't have many other options that are really that sexy, so right. get him the ball. And if, you the look market, at it, and if you look at his numbers with Davis Mills last year, really yeah. impressive. Why is the market lower on Rashad Bateman than you are when he's the obvious number one target, or uh, number one wide receiver target, I should say, in Baltimore? Yeah, I don't get that. Again, talent and opportunity. There's a reason why they let Marquise Brown go is because of the belief they have um, in uh, in Rashad Bateman. Like almost 150 targets available there, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, it was like a 24% target share for Marquise Brown that is now out the door. And that passing offense, it's going to be Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman, Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. Like they did nothing in free agency of the draft. Yeah. There's no other players there where you're like, well, that's a guy that's going to be a competition. Bateman's super talented when he's got – he started slow last year because he wasn't uh, because he wasn't healthy. Yeah. And I know they're going to be more run heavy, but they're still going – they're still going to throw the ball somewhat. Right. Like it's and Lamar's contract somebody. year. Right. Lamar wants to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. And you don't become the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL by handing off Chris, all the time. Chris, I was listening to Unbuttoned earlier. You're not that crazy about Rashad Bateman. Well, or at least you had questions coming out of Minnesota. I did. I yeah. necessarily didn't find him the most explosive. I thought he was a little overrated coming out. But I don't know when it comes to this aspect of it. 
uh, he's the go, the go-to guy at receiver, like you're, yeah. to your point. And then, hey, they got some good tight ends. And then let's just not forget, Lamar Jackson's ability to throw the ball is grossly underrated. I'm kind of sick of hearing people talk about Preach. it. I really am. I mean, damn. I mean, uh, how many times has he got to bring you to the playoffs and make great plays and great throws in the clutch? So, And then you add on, like you talked about, the running game. It, it's hard to double receivers in Baltimore because you got to worry about so many other things at the line of scrimmage. Dominant offensive line. Lamar might keep it off the edge. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards. Holy hell. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews down the middle. And I think that's where he'll find a niche and be the go-to hey, guy. Hey, Matthew, I'm not, a, I'm not a Bears fan, so I can say this. I don't want to watch the Bears, but I'll watch Darnell Mooney pile up fantasy points. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. you don't have to watch the games. Right. Just enjoy the fantasy points yeah. on Monday morning, right? Yeah. Final four weeks of the season last year, Darnell Mini was a top 11 fantasy wide receiver. Once Justin Fields sort of like got used to the NFL, whatever you think of Justin Fields, you have to understand that was such an awful, horrific situation from top to bottom that he was thrown into last year. Again, we talk about opportunity and talent. We all think Darnell Mooney is talented. We watch the tape, right? And now here goes Allen Robinson. He's leaving. Uh, Jimmy Graham, like there's a lot of targets suddenly available. Mm -hmm. He's clearly the number one wide receiver on a team that is going to throw uh, this year. And so, yeah, I'm in on Darnell Mooney as I think a lot of people are, but I think he takes the next step this year. Can Fields take the next step to get in the ball? I do. I, th- I think Fields will take the next step. It, there's so many other things in Chicago that scare me. I, I, I kind of agree on all points with Mo- Mooney one-on-one's a matchup. But my thing is, like, are the Bears going to be able to run the ball good enough to yeah. get him one-on-one? Is there going to be somebody else that's going to jump on the scene that's going to take away coverage from him that way? Uh, the Bears, you know, have not necessarily done Justin Fields a whole lot of favors by su- surrounding him by uh, top-end talent. Darnell Mooney's going as wide receiver 33 on Yahoo. I'm at wide receiver <laughs> he's 20. Wide receiver. I'm, I'm, he, he's the starting wide receiver. He's the number one yeah. wide receiver on yeah. an offense that isn't going to be horrific. Yeah. I mean, right, again, like, you think Justin – you're pro quarterback. Like, you think Justin Fields can take that next step. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm a believer in Darnell Mooney. Again, he proved it last year. Top 11 fantasy quarterback over the final, a wide receiver of the final four games. Wide receiver 33. What are we doing, people? A lot of people thought Elijah Moore was going to go off last year. He yep. showed flashes. You think he could take the next step this year in New York with Zach Wilson? I do. You know, we avoided a scare there with Zach Wilson. Looks like he's only going to miss a little bit of time. And, and by the way, Joe Flacco, he's a professional NFL quarterback. Like, Joe Flacco will be able to get the ball to Elijah Moore. I just think Elijah Moore, you saw flashes of it last year. I just think he's a special kid. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and I will say this about, Je- like, you know, I have all, all these friends that are Jets fans. And like, well, I'm like, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm feeling optimistic. Joe Douglas has done yeah. a great job. They've crushed the Agreed. draft each of the last two years. Agreed. They have free a direction agency. for that fran- yeah. franchise. They've made smart moves in free agency. Their offensive line's going to get better. Yeah. We'll wait to see if Zach Wilson can be the guy. That's the big question mark. Yeah. But they're going to protect him better. And, and, you know, adding Wilson, they've got Corey Davis there. There's, it's not going to be all about Elijah Moore, but I think he's a special player. And Elijah Moore is currently going as wide receiver 36. Right, right. And that's why I'm higher than that. You love him coming out of Ole Miss. I do. I love him coming out of Ole Miss. I mean, I love Zach Wilson. I almost shed a tear the other night when he got hurt. I really yeah. do. I, I believe in him. But I, I think, you know, to your point, yeah, they got, they got a little everything going on there. Yeah. They got two good running backs. The old line's been fixed. Zoma, tight end. Garrett Wilson, the number 10 pick from Ohio State. Corey yeah. Davis, you mentioned. The only thing I actually worry about a little bit is just, you know, the, the talent on the team kind of taken away from maybe just overall unbelievable pro, uh, production. Yeah. So, but I think he's going to be the guy that really works the middle of the field for them 
uh, and, and does, you know, rack up a good amount of catches. But, yeah, that hurt me when Zach Wilson got hurt. Last thing to wrap up this segment, Matthew. So, obviously, we see a lot of rookie receivers go in the first round every year. We've been spoiled in recent years by rookie receivers, specifically ones coming out of LSU. Which rookie receivers jump out to you at both ends of the spectrum, either guys that can go off or guys that just scare you that people okay. are way too high on? Well, I mean, that's the thing is I would want to count on any rookie wide receiver, right? I mean, we're, we talked about this also at the top of the show. People see Jamar Chase last year, Justin Jefferson two years ago. Yeah, and they, that's unusual. That, that's unusual. Right. Having said that, you think about Amon Ross St. Brown at the end of last year or Jalen Waddle at the end of last year. Rookies over the second half of the year can be productive. And so some of the guys on this screen that I think are really interesting, Drake London, he's going to be the number one in Atlanta. He's really interesting. George Pickens, his value is rising. We've seen what he's done in the preseason. They're really excited about him in Pittsburgh. And it's always one of those things, when the Steelers draft a wide receiver, you pay attention. No yeah. doubt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so Pickens, there and was never nice. a question about there was never a question about the talent. It was yeah. some off the field stuff, but seems like that's been figured out. Alave in, in New Orleans. I know Peter King was really impressed when he was down there. Yep. Jalen Tolbert, I'm really excited about as uh -huh. we talk about opportunity. Uh -huh. Gallup banged up. James yes. Washington banged they up. They like to throw the ball. They like yeah. to throw the ball. So right. I'm really excited about uh Tolbert. Dubs we talked about with Peter King. Jahan Dotson, I I have a lot of in you know, Washington's my yeah, team. I'm just telling you, Dotson is absolutely uh, dominating camp. Just absolutely you, dominating camp. This is You've said several times this show, follow the money. I like to follow the quarterbacks. So give me Sky Moore with Patrick Mahomes. Give me Romeo Dobbs with Aaron Rodgers. I like the Dobbs one. Dobbs yeah. jumps out to me for sure. I love Sky Moore. I just, they got they got a pretty good that's, damn that's group of receivers there. Sky Moore. Dobbs, I look at and go, Okay, it's Alan Lazard. Christian Watson's not healthy and participating yeah. in camp yet, and he's gotten tremendous buzz. And when Aaron Rodgers starts talking about you in training camp, that usually means he likes you. And all you got to do is watch the 49er game last week. They couldn't cover him one-on-one -on -one in the first preseason game to where I, I could see him being a guy that kind of jumps on the scene and, and surprises people. Yeah, we talked about that with Peter King. Peter King said the, same, the same thing, thing with thing. his training yeah. camp report about that Dubs is, like, really impressive. Right. And, uh, and so – yeah. Well, we're on the same page there. It's talent and opportunity, and yeah. so that's my only concern on Sky Moore is the opportunity. But Romeo Dobbs, get you some dubs, is what you're saying. All right, <laughs> that's, that was corny. That. We're going to take a break across everything else, that was silly. Corny. All right, talk about some quarterbacks <laughs> when we come back. The NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Football Draft Guide is now available. Prep for your draft with the latest player rankings, projections, and so much more. We got you covered for all league formats and draft strategies. Plus, it's powered by Roto World, the premier source for player news and fantasy information. And for a limited time, if you use the draft code, excuse me, if you use the code DRAFT1, you get access for just $1. That, my friends, is what I call value. Now, as we get into Matthew Berry's top 10 quarterbacks, Matthew, I don't need to tell you the value that comes with the quarterback who can not only throw it, but also run it. Our friend Rich Rebar always talks about it as a cheat code. Yet, quarterbacks that have dual threat ability, guys like Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, uh, even Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, they run with their legs. Aaron Rodgers had a lot of rushing touchdowns last year, a lot of cheap rushing touchdowns last year. And of course, obviously, Josh Allen at the top of that list. You need quarterbacks that do one of two things. They either need to have dual threat ability where they run, and guys like Mahomes and Herbert run more than I think people realize, mm -hmm. uh, and Dak has over the years as well, 
or you need somebody that has massive touchdown, passing touchdown upside, the way that Brady, the way that uh, Aaron Rodgers does, the way that Mahomes does. You need you need that. And so other than that, like, there's too many good quarterbacks. So for you to have an edge at that position on a weekly basis, you need to have a quarterback that has dual threat ability or massive passing touchdown upside. Chris Sims, Matthew says that people like Patrick Mahomes run more than most people realize. Right. Defenses realize that he can kill you with his legs. Yeah. Same with Aaron Rodgers. Right. But both those guys, though, are known for their passing more Definitely. than their rushing prowess. Having said that, both those guys lost their number one receiver. So let's start with Kansas City. What do you think that offense looks like with Patrick Mahomes uh, without Tyreek Hill for him to still come in at QB2? I, I, I like just kind of scoff at the idea that the people don't think the, the Chiefs offense is going to be great. I mean, again, I think there's some benefits here to not having Tyreek on the field to go, well, who do we play in this situation? Who are they trying to go to? I think it can make the offense more diverse. Andy Reid's one of the best offensive minds in the game. Mahomes is amazing. He's him and Josh Allen, to me, are the best quarterbacks in football. And, you know, the running, yes, is nice. And he can score touchdowns doing that and all that as well. But his ability to scramble is where I just go. His ability to scramble, manipulate the defense, and then throw some rocket across the field is really what makes him special and almost indefensible at times. So I'm, I'm, I don't worry about that offense or my homes and stats or anything like that at all. Same thing, Matt? It, it, yeah, not at all. I yeah. mean, so I trust in Patrick Mahomes. Trust in Andy Reid. Right. Great and by the way, line. and great offensive line. Yep. And also, look, Tyreek Hill's a special player, there's no question. But Juju's a pretty good player. Marquez Valdez Scantling, pretty good player. No doubt. They still got Travis Kelsey. Right. right? They still Sky yeah, Moore. They still they got Sky Moore. Right. Miko Hardman made some plays exactly. last year yeah. as well. Right. So they've got a lot of weapons there. In his in his career as a starter, Patrick Mahomes played four games. Okay. We don't have a lot of sample size, but he has played four games without Tyreek Hill. And in those four games, he's got eight touchdowns. He's got zero interceptions. He's thrown for over 300 yards in all, all four of those games. Yeah. I, I just bet against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid at your own peril. Yeah. Would be my take. Okay, you saw my ranks. I have at number two overall. Right. Uh, only behind Josh Allen yeah. uh, at quarterback. And, yeah, I'm all on Patrick Mahomes. Same can be said about yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Money in the bank. Bet, at him, bet against him at your own peril. Look, small sample size-ish, but seven games, I believe it is, without Devontae Adams. Yeah. 19 touchdowns and one interception. He's the man. Aaron Rodgers the man. I mean, you mean you like the, Aaron Rodgers? Well, Sims? yeah, he's arguably the greatest quarterback <laughs> of all time. And there's no doubt about that. I, I think he's in that club. But I, I don't expect the same statistical output from him no. this year. I don't, I don't think we're going to see 45 and 6 or, you know, some number like that. I think you could see a year where – it's low 30s mm. with, you know, very few interceptions because he never Typically, turns the yeah. ball over. Right. And I will say, too, his running is dropping off. You know, he might still sneak in the end zone a few times, but I don't know. I wouldn't depend on that anymore. I do see a drop off in his ability to escape the pocket and do some of that stuff. So that's where maybe uh, I could see somewhat of a, a drop off of Aaron Rodgers' fantasy and reality to a degree. Well, right, and that, that's why I'm at QB eight, yeah. right, as right. opposed to like QB two, two, two or, or three, three. Yeah. two or three. Right. But he's going as QB eleven yeah. on Yahoo. And by the way, he was on QB twelve, and I made a big point about it uh, the other day. And and so you know, in my hundred facts column, so maybe we're bumping You're him up a little up. bit, but yeah. it's still way too low. He's Aaron Rodgers. What are we doing? Think about 2019. Weeks five through eight in the 2019 season, Devontae Adams didn't play. Aaron Rodgers was still the second best quarterback in fantasy during that time frame, uh, was scoring over 24 fantasy points per game. 
here's the other thing about Aaron Rodgers. Again, like I think fantasy analysis too, too often just looks at points, just looks at stats. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about people. And I will tell you this about Aaron Rodgers. I've, never, I've met the guy once. I've met him once in my life, so I don't want to claim that I know him at all. It's your boy. But I've studied the man a lot. A lot. They've done and studies, you know. Yeah, there have. There's not a more petty guy in the NFL. There's not a more chip-on-the-shoulder guy. Yeah, no, right. exactly, yeah, right. right? I mean, it's, it's, the, it's Michael Jordan meme. Like, and I took that personally. Like, that is Aaron Rodgers, right? Definitely. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's why Jordan was so great. It's why Rodgers is so great. And so trust me when I tell you, when he sees people saying, like, Rod, why they give him $150 million? Why, why, he's not going to be good without Devonta Adams. Yeah. Last year, he, he didn't make the top 10 of the NFL's top 100. Yeah. And what he did, he went out and said, I'm going to be MVP again. Yeah. Right. Make no mistake, he's well aware of everything that people are saying. Right. You can't do it without Devonte Adams. Somebody, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be, just the, watch me. Well, it's just the idea of sleeping on a two-time reigning MVP is crazy. But we talked. He's about going this, as QB eleven. Like, what are we doing, the top people? Of the show is like you know, it's a weekly game, and whether his his season-long stats are down or not, there are going to be some a lot of weeks where you're going to be damn happy to have Aaron freaking Rodgers as your quarterback. He um, is. We'd say that same thing we said about Mahomes. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm just. Yeah. People that bet against Aaron Rodgers lose. Yeah. Period. People that play, bet against Aaron Rodgers lose, and I would say that to fantasy managers that are drafting him outside their top ten on Yahoo, like that's that might be the craziest yeah. draft ADP that I've seen in all of Yahoo. So even in a even in a battle, an ongoing battle against Father Time, you did not bet against Tom Brady. Uh, do you have any concerns about Brady slowing down? None whatsoever. I, I he, he is a genetic freak of nature. Okay, like he played at such a high level last year. So when he's one year older, you know, no Antonio Brown. Okay, fine. Um, I still think Gronk makes his way back. I I have a sneak. I have have no inside knowledge. I just feel like, you know, we haven't seen the last of Rob Gronkowski. But regardless, he's still got Mike Evans. He's still got uh, Chris Godwin. They add Julio Jones. They're going to give Julio Jones some of that magic TB12. Russell Gage. They got Russell Gage, right. who's a nice thing. Yeah. Kyle Rudolph, I think, was a very underrated, uh, underrated signing. I don't know that he has massive fantasy value, but he's a nice big red zone target once again for Tom. Again, Tom Brady's not stupid, right? And he doesn't come out of retirement, you know, whatever, that month-long retirement. If he right. didn't think he was going to have a lot of success this year, he, ne- he doesn't need to prove anything. Yeah. I, I mean, he's a first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer. Sure. So for him to come back feels like to me is that he looked around and he said, I can be successful once again this year. And that's that massive touchdown potential and yardage potential that you're talking about with fantasy. I know you just love seeing the rich get richer, don't you, Chris? Well, he, he's, the, <laughs> he's the man. I, I will say this. I mean, their team is awesome. We know that. I don't know if the stats will be the same this year. There are two reasons why I'm going to get into this a little bit. One, hey, Bruce Arians not being there, I I do think is, you know, there's a little value to that. Mm. He is a year older. I look at, you know, Godwin I don't think is going to be hitting on all cylinders right away. Gronk is not going to be there at least at the early part of the year. The Bucs have the hardest schedule they've had in years. And to me, the jumps out more than that, they're going to play some teams that can really rush the passer. Mm. And Tom Brady, if there's a flaw with him, their O-line is not going to be the same this year. It's going to be be good. They lost a few guys here and there to where I just go, you look at the games he struggled, it's always the Rams, the Saints, those type of teams because he can't move off the spot and make a lot happen. So, again, like still going to be one of the best teams in football, statistically still going to be very good. But I don't think it's going to be 
43 touchdowns or something like that this mm-hmm. year. I think it does drop just a little bit. It, you know what? And, and by the way, I'm with you. He was the third best quarterback in fantasy last year. I am at QB5. Yeah. So I have him slightly lower than right. last year. But I think one of the things I like about Brady is the floor. Okay, last year, nine different games with 25 or more fantasy points right. led all quarterbacks. Ten games with 20 or more fantasy points tied for third most among quarterbacks. Like, there's never going to be a week where Tom Brady kills you. No. You, you know what I mean? Like, he's always going to have something. So, I agree with you, slightly lower. Yeah, right. But, what, like we said about Cooper Cup, he can be slightly lower and still be a very yeah. solid fantasy quarterback for you. Derek Again, Carr's I'm at been five. a very solid quarterback for a yeah. long time, but but fantasy-wise, never had a top 10 season, correct? Feels like that changes this year. I think so. He flirted with it some last year. He was borderline top 10 for a, a little bit here. I'm just outside my top 10 again because he doesn't run. Mm-hmm. But think about this. The, here's the entire list of quarterbacks in the NFL that over the last four seasons have completed at least 66% of the passes and thrown for 4,000 yards or more each of the last four seasons. Right, Here's the list. Me. Derek Carr. That's that the is the list. That, that is the list, right? He's never missed a game in four years, right? Obviously, we talked about the, the Carr-Adams connection with college, and it's not just adding Devontae Adams. It's adding Josh McDaniels. Yeah. That's something that I think gets underrated. And all due respect to, to Greg Olson, who called the plays, think about Carr last year. The Henry Rugg situation, the John Gruden being, uh, I mean, right. the Raiders as a franchise yeah. went through so much they last did. year. Yeah. Right. Derek Carr was, you know, kind of a steady Eddie and did an amazing job. It's incredible that team got to the playoffs. I think they actually should have beaten Cincinnati. I think they got some bad calls. That's another conversation for another show. But my fact is, is that now coming to clean slate, adding somebody the, the skill level of Devontae Adams and having everyone else back and plus the creative play calling of a guy like McDaniels, I think Carr could easily um, uh, be of value this year. There's no question. He's not a sexy guy, mm-hmm. but he's currently going. His ADP on Yahoo is uh, is quarterback 14, and so I think he matches or at least beats that this I would, year. I would be shocked if he doesn't. You're right. A grossly underrated, can do a little bit of everything. McDaniels is the best offensive mind. He, McDaniels is, is, is up there with Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Shanahan for the best offensive minds in football over the last 15 years. And then you couple in, like you're talking about, Adams, Waller, Renfro. I, I think that, yeah, I'd be shocked if he doesn't have a real big year. I don't know why you don't have Joe Burrow in the top ten, though. Yeah. Well, before, we get, before we get to Burrow. Well, you want to do Joe Burrow? Now? I don't know. I didn't even know. I don't pay attention to where we're yeah, going no, with this nice. stuff. We I go, just we talk. Go, we go where you want to go. Yeah, that's all right. right. We go where you want to go. Somebody, Joe, Joe some, Burrow only led the league in completion I, I would just. I think the people year. at home can realize who shows up to rehearsal and who doesn't. That's oh, all good. It's no. all fine. Well, Someone's <laughs> got to work and we're here all day. Sorry. Joe, sorry. Joe Burrow only led the league in completion percentage last year and now has a better offensive line. Yeah. So your issue with him is what? My issue with him is, again, as we talk about, I don't hate players. I hate where they go in drafts. And my issue with Joe Burrow isn't Joe Burrow. It's with the drafters on Yahoo that are taking him fifth overall. Hmm. He's quarterback five. Okay. They're taking him ahead of Aaron Rodgers. They're taking him ahead of Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson okay. and Jalen Hurts. All right. I, I have a concern with this. People see the numbers, and it, listen, it was a great story, right? He made the run to the Super Bowl, Bengals in the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. He played, and he's fun to root for, right? He's Joe Cool. He is. It is a great story. He's an easy guy to root for. I get Sounds all like that. Sounds like you're saying he overrated. That's what I, I hear no. overrated. Yeah. Fantasy overdrafted. And overdrafted, <laughs> which is close, right? Okay. He had three games. He had two games against Baltimore in the Kansas City game, and those three games competed uh, com- uh, amounted to 47%. Mm. 
of Joe Burrow's fantasy points last year. 47%. The final two games, he threw for 971 yards and eight touchdowns in those final two games. Again, it was the Chiefs game and the second Ravens game. And so if you look at the six games prior to those two games, Joe Burrow threw six touchdowns in six games. Okay? I, so my concern here is he doesn't really run. He ran less last year than he did the year before. You know, is he well, still a little nervous about the, is, is yeah, the, is, right. the offensive line is better, which means they're going to be able to run and the ball more. his knee's going to be better. His knee, his knee will be better, 100%. Right. Again, what we just said is for a quarterback to be inside the top 10, he needs to either have massive touchdown ups, passing touchdown upside right, right. or have he rushing. Okay. He, he's not going to run the way that, you know, the Kylers, the Lamars, Chris, the right. Joshes of the out. So the question is, does he have massive touchdown upside? And I would argue I'm nervous about that because of the inconsistent we saw, inconsistency we saw last year. I think they'll be more effective at running the ball. They've also got a really good defense. So he's not going to get into as many shootouts, right? I think Joe Burrow is a great NFL quarterback, and I think he will be a fine fantasy quarterback. Right. I don't think he's a top five guy. Chris, set him I'm, straight I'm, about this bad mofo. I, 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 yeah, I don't. This is one I, I don't, I don't agree with, with Matthew. Yeah, I just Burrow to me is the natural. I only think it's going to be a jump off of what we saw last year. You're talking about what happened at the end of the year. I just go, yes, and that's what you're going to see continued onto the year. And they've, you know, they're a young football team that I just imagine will only get better. So Burrow to me is super talented. You know, fantasy, I do think there's too much on the running aspect okay. of it. So I understand right. that aspect where I lose that. Uh, but at the same time, I have a hard time thinking that the stats won't be the passing stats that you kind of talk about with some of the other guys with those weapons and just their growth and where they're going. I, right, let, I me yeah. let me ask you some questions. Yeah. Let me ask you some questions. Just real quickly. All right. right. Who would you rather have? Like, you and I are going to be in a fantasy league this year. You, right. you rather, who would you rather have, Joe Burrow or Tom Brady? I mean, uh, Joe Burrow all day. Tom Brady Over could Tom never – well, in real life – it's yeah. not even close. Tom Brady could never have brought that Bengals team to the Super Bowl wait, I'm last sorry. year. I'm, wait, never. Okay, I'm sorry. It's completely derailed this conversation. Sorry. Wait, in real life, you'd rather have Joe, take Burrow. Joe Burrow over Tom Brady. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm not going to let you do this. Yeah, I'm not. No, by, what I mean about it, not let you do this yeah. is we're out of time in this segment. I by the way, I the poster child for right. waiting I on mean. a quarterback is Kirk Cousins, but we'll save that for another show. <laughs> don't don't take the bait, Matthew. We're going to break. Do not take Joe the bait. Joe Burrow was in the I've Super dealt Bowl. With this. I've dealt with Tom this. Brady wasn't. I've had this fight with him. The first Joe year, Burrow had this fight with him. Tom Brady's not. Don't, don't, let it, don't let him do All it to you. All day, every day, I'm taking Burrow, Burrow, Burrow or Brady. Burrow or Aaron Rodgers. What? Burrow or Aaron Rodgers? I'm taking Burrow right now. 100%. Burrow's one of well, the five best quarterbacks well, in the game. at least he's consistent. One of the five best? They, you just took out two of the best ones already. Well, they're not the top five to me. I'm just going to say this. The views and opinions of Chris Sims do not reflect the opinions of this show or any of its I, other I've learned hosts. to ignore Chris a long time ago. Yeah, no, you didn't. You asked me on your show all, every week. <laughs> You're begging me. I don't mean me. I, I ignore you. It's good TV. Listen to me. It's crazy, but it's good TV. He went through about 10 boxes. Um, I'm a big Frosted Flakes guy, and this is, a, this is the Kelsey Crunch version of it for sure. Uh, and I think it has a little bit more sugar, but don't ask me. Um, Better than that stuff Pat was selling a couple years ago. Listen, it, it might not have any magic in it, but it's pretty good. It is the Frosted Flakes of tight ends. Yeah. Like, just reliable. Just go to. It's like, you know, like, you don't need to, you don't need to worry about it. You just plug and play Travis Kelsey, and you reap the benefits of one of the great and most productive tight ends in NFL history. Yeah, that's just fantasy that's a, goodness. That's the smile of a guy who knows he's getting a lot 
A lot of targets with Tyreek Hill. Absolutely. Out of the way, we heard Peter so, King so, talk about it as well. Yeah. So, so here are your uh, top ten tight ends. You got Mark Andrews as your number one, and Kyle yep. Pitts is your number three. Darren Waller, George Kittle. Those are the elite guys. How do you approach the tight end position during snake redrafts? Generally speaking, I either want to be one of the first guys in my league to get a tight end or one of the last. Okay. So the Andrews, Kelsey, Pitts, that's a tier right there. Yeah. Much as I love Waller and Kittle, I think Schultz has a nice year as well because there's so many targets available in, in, in uh, Dallas given the lack of other pass catchers they have. Hawkinson, same thing here. Zach Ertz to me is a really interesting guy who I have him at eight. He's going way too low okay. for me in terms of where he's going on Yahoo. He's currently going 10th uh, overall, 88th overall, 10th at tight end. He's a top five fantasy tight end on a points per game basis in four of the final, uh, four of the five seasons he was um, uh, in Philadelphia as well. 11 games that he was in Arizona, top four in the NFL in targets per game, red zone targets and receptions per game among tight ends. And now he's that's got a, a new full, offense. That, yeah. Right. And that's what the, he just, he's yeah. just showing up there. He's trying yeah. to figure out where his locker is. Yeah. Right. And uh, he, he suddenly uh, shows up there. I think he's a good red zone threat. So I think he's being underdrafted as well. Talked about this. I think there's so many tight ends that you can get later. Okay. Now you speak in my language. Right, like, right, exactly. Like I, like to, I like to wait. I like to wait on tight end. So tell me some like the difference deep, between, deep The difference between tight end eight and tight end like 14, yeah. 15 isn't that much. You can you can find that production. You can also stream the position a, as well. I, I think Pat Fryermuth is going to take another step this yeah. year. I think he's being undervalued. Uh, I like Gerald Everett of the Chargers. I like Logan Thomas of my commanders. When he comes back, he's not going to start yeah. the season healthy. But how about Cole Komet? Cole Komet is currently going at number 189 on Yahoo, tight end 19. Get mm -hmm. this. He had 60 receptions last year and zero touchdowns. That's, That's that, insanely that, yeah. unlucky. Yeah, you want to talk about 60 receptions, zero touches, touchdowns. That is the most catches yeah. in a season without scoring since at least 2002. Yeah. You know, and some of the guys, um, you know, like Jimmy Graham and, and Jesper and like other tight ends that were there, they're all ends. gone. Yeah, right. It's all right? touchdowns. Allen yeah. Robinson is gone. Yeah, yeah. And so See, I like Cole Komet who is one of the league leader who is one of the league leaders in tight ends in terms of running routes in terms of snaps played now he just got unlucky with the touchdowns but i think his second year of Justin Fields more uh he is going to be the guy uh and there's really opportunity beyond Darnell Mooney in terms of the the passing uh, in that Chicago offense. So yeah, give me some Cole Komet this year. Yeah, that's what I want out of my tight end position. I mean, I've, I've taken Kelsey early before. I've taken Gronk early back in the day, but I just feel like this year I want to go wide receiver, maybe even running back. I might yeah. depart from my zero running back and wait on tight end. The, the fact of the matter is, is that what those guys do, if you go elite, if you go Kelsey, uh, Andrews, or Pitts, mm -hmm. Pitts is going to have a monster season, right? Yeah. What happens there is, is that uh, you get a weekly win at that position and you're going to have to find value elsewhere, right? Mm -hmm. That's all what a draft is, is just finding value right. at some point. So the question is, so if you're not getting elite at the tight end position, I'd rather try to find value at the position and make sure I lock in your, a rock solid, you yeah. know, rock solid production and yeah. wide receiver and running back. So it's a, it's a remix of Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. You know, if you ain't first, you're last at right. tight end, either be first or, or last. last. There you go. All Good right. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk about Joe Burrow's recovery from his appendectomy and also the latest news out of Brown's training camp. No shortage of storylines when it comes to that offense. Stick around.
I don't know if it's a baseball or a football injury. I'm currently play football, so um, I guess it's on a football player, so it's a football injury at this point. Um, but I'm not really too worried about what it's called or whether it's abnormal or not or whatever. I'm worried about here today, how did I feel? Let's continue to progress and get better. I was to Matthew Stafford's left, Matthew Barry, and I can tell you he was more irritated by the questions about his yeah. elbow injury than he seems to be irritated by the actual injury itself. Nonetheless, it's a huge question. Here to help us answer this question is Mike Ryan, who brings 30 years of athletic training experience uh, in the NFL uh, to the show and to the program. Appreciate you joining us, Mike. What are your thoughts on both this particular injury to Matthew Stafford and the Rams' management of said injury, along with Stafford's availability and productivity for the upcoming season? Well, great questions, Michael. I think what he's dealing with here is a chronic uh, tendon issue, tendonitis of the elbow. And interesting with this kind of an injury, that's where they're going back forth. Is it kind of a baseball injury? He, he's had this issue in the past. In a sense, it's been an issue. Uh, Sean McVay mentioned he, they've had elbow issues off and on. And I think because of this, an elbow issue, uh, mostly a chronic uh, tendonitis. Ironically, those elbow ligaments at the, the tendons, I'm sorry, at the elbow, affect more the hand than they do the elbow itself. So early in the offseason, they did um, a PRP injection, which is kind of like a healing espresso shot, if you will, right into the injury itself. And I think that showed both the level of concern that the Rams have, but also smart nature in the sense they're focusing on September, getting them ready there, not focusing on the July. So I, I think this issue that he has is something that may linger for a while. Do I really have concerns he'll be behind center week one? Absolutely not. But this is something he's going to have to manage as they're doing in this whole offseason with not a lot of throwing uh, and getting him ready for September um, and something that he probably will deal with most of the season. Well, Mike, if you have no concerns, then we have no concerns. That's a huge sigh of relief to fantasy right. managers that we expect Stafford to be under center week one for the Rams right here, by the way, on NBC. I, Absolutely. Of course, a company man. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, Mike, I'm curious about uh, Joe Burrow returned to practice on Sunday the first time since he had that appendectomy. Any concerns about Burrow moving forward, who I understand from Chris Sims is a better quarterback than Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers combined? <laughs> it seems that way. And uh, yeah. obviously, Chris loves him for good reason. I think the thing with this, Matthew, is the fact that he, yes, in a little less than three weeks, he was back in the field throwing a little bit on Sunday. You know, a lot of people say this isn't a big deal. And ironically, the people that say that surgeries are not a big deal are the ones on the dull side of the knife, if you will, not on the sharp side. I, th I think the thing here is with with his injury and the surgery itself, the big deal is obviously they open up his abdomen. Anytime you put tools and sutures and cameras into an abdomen, it's a big deal. If we look at week one, that's a little short of seven weeks post-injury. The concern for him isn't necessarily, I, I think, the injury itself, the, the appendectomy. It's more from the surgery. So when they do that, his whole digestive system tends to shut down. So the real high priority for him now, get his, his digestive system up and running, get him back to the fact that he can hydrate well and eat well and really get himself back to training at a high level as a football player. And I look at that for two reasons. Number one, and the obvious, is the performance. He has to be able to fuel himself like a professional athlete to perform that way. But the athletic trainer and physical therapist, and he says he has to be safer from a safety perspective. And what I mean by that is if he doesn't have the muscle mass on him, if he doesn't have the ability to hydrate himself, we look at week one, that's in Pittsburgh at a one o'clock game. So he has to get himself ready, probably won't see him taking any snaps in the preseason. So his kind of welcome back, so to speak, will be from the Pittsburgh defense at a one o'clock game where he's gonna have four hot quarters to play. So the big question here is, 
Can his entire body be ready to play football come September 11th? Again, a little under seven weeks post-surgery. I think that's a big question that everyone, obviously Bengal fans included, uh, really have to see that answer. We probably won't know that till uh, 3, 3.30 on September 11th. Oh, by the way, uh, Chris Sims just texted me and told me that he has the answer and that, uh, that Joe Burrow is going to walk on the three rivers to the stadium. <laughs> He'll be just fine. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. He doesn't need food uh, because he's not an actual mortal human being. Anyway, that's per Chris Sims, just FYI. Hey, here, here. Hey, Mike, uh, if I were so fortunate as to have uh, a top two or three pick uh, in a snake draft and a redraft, I got to admit that I'd be cautious about drafting Christian McCaffrey simply put because I think he's injury prone is that fair well he he has a list let's put it this way a backup to that answer he's had a list of injuries as you saw he had the ankle injury last year he had the hamstring before that he went on IR twice uh, I think he played a grand total of seven games last season in 2020 where he had an ankle high ankle sprain shoulder quad had a lot of things going on only played three games so he's only played 10 games in the last two seasons so from a list of injuries, yes, he's prone to it. I thought it was really interesting. Head coach uh, Rule said on Friday, he said, well, we're going to be smart with him. But then in the same press conference, he said, hey, he plays in a high-risk position, and we're just going to put him out there and play. So you're taking a guy who has some bumps and bruises. I think all those injuries he's had were very legitimate for the kind of play that Christian plays and the way he plays. So I don't necessarily say he's injury-prone, but has his risk of injury and potential downtime increased? Absolutely. Because of those injuries, especially with an ankle injury, uh, I think that comes into play. He's had ankle injuries the last two seasons. So I, I think there is a big concern for him, not necessarily starting early in the season, but what's his productivity and can he stay on the field come especially that second half of the season. So I, I have my concerns as well. Yeah, certainly. And I think fantasy managers certainly, they're well aware. If you're drafting Christian McCaffrey, the ultimate risk reward pick, he's missed much of the last two games, but when he, you, to your years, but when he's been out there, He's been nothing short of amazing. And when he's out yes. there this year, we expect him once again to be incredible. Just sort of for fantasy managers, how lucky do you feel? How lucky do you feel? And I have that question about Michael Thomas. You know, in some ways, very similar to Christian McCaffrey in this sense, that for a number of years, Christian McCaffrey was fantasy royalty. And then the last two years, there's been questions about that because and only because of the health. Michael Thomas the same way. For years, fantasy royalty often the number one or number two wide receiver in fantasy that was drafted. And then the last two years, it's just, you know, it health. And there's also feels like some bad vibes coming out of New Orleans. But early reports in camp are good. Should we trust those, Mike? Well, I think he set the stage real well for that, Matthew, because if you look at his injuries, what he has, his issue is an ankle. You know, it's not multiple injuries. It's an ankle, but it's a bad one. You go back to week one in, in 2020 when um, Latarius uh, Murray ran up on the back of his ankle. That's a classic look for a high ankle sprain. Ankle is pinned to the ground, high rotation, and that's a great way to disrupt the whole lower part of that shin. So it was a legitimate injury. 2020 only played seven games because of that. And then I thought it was very interesting that they got to in June of 2021 before he had a surgery on that ankle. So it's something that maybe in hindsight, it should have been done early, but the bottom line is it was done in June of 2021 and he missed the entire season last year. So I, I feel bad for Michael because this has been a really hard couple of years of coming out very high play, like you said, Matthew, of, of him really struggling. I think when you get multiple um, high ankle sprains, he's, he's re-injured that ankle as well. When you get that, what you tend to get with is you tend to get some chronic instability of the ankle. 
And that's a real concern. And you get an ankle instability, it's like out playing, try to play basketball with no shoelaces in one shoe. That ankle has some extra play. It, it makes it very difficult for a skilled player, especially someone like Michael Thomas, who changes direction so hard and so well. Suddenly it's a way of really hampering the way his ability to play. And I think another indicator of the confidence that the uh, Saints have or, or lack thereof is he started the season on PUP. And to be on the physically unable to perform list means obviously you're not able to do what you need to do, but it's also very indicative that he did not take a single rep with the team drills during the offseason. And I think that says something because with this kind of an injury, especially being over a couple of years now, the repetitions that he has to do and his ability to do that consistently, it doesn't take an x-ray or a fancy treatment. It takes repetition of a skill player to do what he does at full speed to gain that kind of confidence. So he didn't get team reps during the offseason. He starts a season, the training camp on PUP. Now he's out there practicing a little bit. So um, I, I could see him with that ankle being on the field at the start of the season. But will he uh, – actually, I'll show you an ankle model with that. But the, the, the question with him is, will that ankle hold up for a long period of time in the performance? How much has he stepped back, so to speak, because of that injury? When well, you look at a high ankle sprain, it's disrupting the membrane that goes between the two bones of the shin itself. So now instead of just being a quote-unquote lateral ankle sprain that we all get here and there – now the whole stability of the lower shin becomes compromised. So that's why it makes it so difficult for a skilled player with a high ankle sprain uh, to come back and to play at a very high level. Well, look, uh, one of the things I would say is that hopefully, hopefully the additions that the Saints have made maybe eases that off a little bit, right? So, I mean, they, they drafted Chris sure. Olave. They added, uh, they added Jarvis Landry in the offseason as well. They have high expectations for Adam Trotman at, at, at tight end. Looks like Alvin Kamara will be around uh, for the full season, at least at the moment. And so uh, hopefully maybe slightly less usage on him will keep, will preserve him. It is worth noting the last time he had a full season, he set the NFL record for most receptions in an NFL season. And I think the concern with Thomas is baked into his ADP. He's currently going as wide receiver 29 on Yahoo around the eighth or ninth round. And at that price point, I'm in. I'm in on Michael Thomas because we know what the upside is. And the cost isn't that, you know, isn't isn't terrible. Again, he's going as a low-end wide receiver three because the upside is so great. I, to me, that's an encouraging report from you, Mike. So I'm excited about Thomas. I think also indications in this, Matthew, to your point is he's a really hard worker. He's put a lot of effort into it. So to come over this, to get over this injury, especially being a chronic, chronic in nature, you know, the work ethics and the time you have to put into it, he's paying that price and he's putting that effort in. I think that's obviously kind of an up arrow, if you will of him when he gets on the field to uh, to be able to stay on the field. NBC Sports Medicine Analyst Mike Ryan already in regular season form. We look forward to talking to you throughout the year, my friend. Thank you so much. Coming Thank up, you guys. Pivot to uh, NBC Sports NFL insider Mike Florio, who I think I got, I don't know, something tells me he's pretty excited about joining the show. I I'm delighted we have Matthew Barry. I, I told him I'm at a point in my life where I really don't want to meet any new people, but I was very glad to meet guy. him and get to know him and yeah. reluctantly expanded my list of friends. He may not feel the same way, but at least from my perspective, which takes a lot for me at this point to welcome someone in. Hell, it took me a while to welcome you in five years ago, so it's even more difficult to get over the wall now. Not that they're lining up to get over the wall, but that's okay. I still have a wall. 
uh, the Grinch. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Mike Florio uh, uh, is here. Don't, don't talk uh, about my friend like that. I mean, that. my God. Wait, don't, don't talk about I mean, my friend that was like very that. sweet. I'm more concerned about Florio's general disposition at no, this point. No, I mean, he, he sounds concerned about it. <laughs> it's really hard to get close to Mike Florio. It's self-awareness, but clearly Michael Smith knows he's not getting over the wall. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. I'm comfortably on this side of the wall. I guess I better make myself comfortable. Well, no, no, again, the line is not long, Michael. It's not like you have to wait for a very long time to get your answer yes or no. But self-awareness can be a good thing. Self-awareness yeah. can be a bad thing. I am fully aware of where I am in life, and I want no new friends. But I have I one in you. Matthew Barry, and I'll work That's on beautiful. one in Michael Smith. I appreciate that. Go. Well, listen, let's right. make everybody aware that we're recording this before any announcement of Deshaun Watson's appeal of his six game, or excuse me, the NFL's appeal of Deshaun Watson's six game suspension, I beg your pardon. And when we get that word, we know that Mike Florio will be the first, if not among the first, to be aware of how long Deshaun Watson will actually be suspended. What do you know at the moment, and how should fantasy managers, for purposes of this show, approach Deshaun Watson if they're looking at him at quarterback? Well, guys, as we're having this discussion, we are 13 days removed from the day that the NFL appealed the six-game suspension. The rules don't set a deadline specifically for resolving the appeal, but the rules say that the appeal must be expedited. 13 days does not feel expedited to me. I thought we were going to have something last week, that first Friday of the preseason. Peter Harvey, who's handling the appeal, I believe is giving both sides ample opportunity to work out a settlement. I was told on Monday that it's about a 50-50 proposition. I always hate 50-50 because anybody can say 50-50, but that's what I was told. It's 50-50 as to whether or not it settles. Watson, according to the AP, as of last week, willing to do eight games and pay a $5 million fine. I suspect the NFL's floor is 12. Could they split the difference to 10? Peter Harvey, as we speak, giving them ample opportunity to do that. And at some point, the process ends. At some point, yeah. he has to rule. And if he has to rule, it's going to be, I think, a full season subject to a federal court challenge that mm. the union is confident about. But I don't know why they would be, because even though they've had initial success in past cases, they, they tend to always end up losing these. Yeah, the NFL seems hung up on him not going back to Houston week 12. Uh, Matthew, go ahead. Yeah, look. With the, with the caveat, of course, that it feels really silly to talk about Deshaun Watson from a fantasy football point of view, Fair enough. given the seriousness of the allegations against him, right? I mean, like, so let's, let's just call it like that. But we are a fantasy football show. He is a significant player in the world of fantasy football, so we do have to get into this a little bit. Yahoo drafters are basically ignoring it. They're, they are obviously expecting a significantly longer suspension than six games. He's going as quarterback 22. He's only being drafted in 28% of leagues. So most leagues he's not even being drafted in. And when he is being drafted, he's being drafted as quarterback 22. So I think most people are assuming, uh, to your point, Mike, that it's going to be a much longer suspension. It's going to be a run-first offense. And I suppose that if you are in a deeper league and you wanted to take a flyer late in your draft and hope that he maybe plays at some point this year, understood. But... I would maybe a dynasty pick. Yeah, and certainly in dynasty, he has value. Uh, but I would be concerned about counting on Deshaun Watson for significant fantasy production uh, for any significant period of time this year, especially, you know, what I'm hearing and Mike, what you're saying as well. You know, it sounds like that 
I mean, like, if Deshaun's current status is, hey, I'll sit out eight games, and, and you know, it, it's, he's, he's missing at least half the season, if not more. And so I think that affects not just obviously his fantasy value, but the value of all the Browns, pass catchers. We talked about Amari Cooper earlier in the show. Mike, I'm out on him at his current ADP. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. That's who you want. You want Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Those, it's going to be a run-first team, especially if Jacoby Brissett is under center for a significant period of time. And I think David Njoku is a tight end, too. But other than that, I think Cleveland is pretty much a, uh, is a, a more of an interesting NFL story than fantasy story this year. Yeah, I think you're right. And look, separating the reasons why he won't be an attractive fantasy player from the fact that he does fit that mold. And I think we all have a smart ass or two in our league that likes to grab that guy that no one's thinking about that could make a difference later, whether it's Antonio Brown last year or at some, you know, in the past years, it's been Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, you know, that that guy that, hey, maybe we're going to get lucky. Maybe we're going to have a guy that shows up late in the season and make a big difference. And, and there's a chance that could be Deshaun Watson if it ends up being. 12 games, it's right in time for playoffs. You're holding them in your back pocket. I, I, I'm sure every league or, or plenty of leagues will have one person who decides that I'm just going to keep Deshaun Watson on ice because you never know what's going to happen come week 12, 13, 14. Yeah. Hey, uh, there was some talk about Jimmy Garoppolo potentially, uh, you know, being a solution for Cleveland if they, you know, weren't sold for whatever reason on Jacoby Brissett. Um, but that doesn't seem to be uh, in the plans. Um, What's up with Jimmy Garoppolo? Still do $25 million this year, which you know the Niners aren't paying. Well, when it was six to eight games that the Browns thought they would not have Deshaun Watson, then it's Jacoby Brissett, and we'll wait for Deshaun. Once they started to get the impression that maybe it's going to be the full season, that's when Jimmy Garoppolo's name started to come up. So we're mm -hmm. still kind of in a holding pattern as to how long the Browns won't have Deshaun Watson. Garoppolo could become relevant there. What the 49ers are doing, guys, they're just waiting for lightning to strike somewhere and take out a starting quarterback for the season because then the 49ers get trade value for for Jimmy Garoppolo like the Eagles did six years ago when the Vikings suddenly lost Teddy Bridgewater and gave up a first round pick and a fourth round pick for Sam Bradford and Garoppolo gets far closer to his 25 million than whatever he's going to get when he's finally cut by the 49ers if that's what happens and he becomes a free agent so both sides are on the same page that, hey, if, if somebody gets very unlucky at quarterback, they get lucky, 49ers get something, Garoppolo gets paid, and he goes to a new team. And the question is, how long are the 49ers going to perpetuate this ruse? Are they going to push it all the way up to the day before their first game of the regular season at Chicago? Are they going to do it when they cut the rosters on August 30 to 53 or somewhere in between? Or would they be crazy enough – to keep him into the regular season and let that salary fully guarantee if you're a vested veteran four or more years of service your salary fully guarantees week one and he's he's going to clearly and gladly take the balance of that money if he gets cut at some point after that I don't think they'll do that but right now they're just waiting and 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 I think we all wait and he becomes the injury replacement if you know Zach Wilson's knee injury had ended up being worse than it initially looked uh, it was that it, that it was going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, th that's a place he he could have gone. Other teams are going to be potentially in that same mold. We got two more weeks of preseason to get through. Speaking of waiting, we've been waiting on clarity of when, it, when it comes to Alvin Kamara's uh, discipline from the NFL. But lately, reportedly, it may not happen this year. His attorneys have pushed the hearings and so on and so forth. You're the lawyer; you could explain that better than I can. Uh, is Alvin Kamara in the clear for this season with regard to 
discipline from the NFL. Well, the reality is the wheels of justice often do grind very slowly. There was a hearing August 1, and all that happened at the hearing was the case was kicked two months down the road. These are felony battery charges that Alvin Kamara faces. And when you read the personal conduct policy, there's not a very difficult case to make for him ending up on paid leave. I'm not sure why the NFL hasn't done it. I've asked them about it from time to time, and I know how they work well enough to when they don't respond to me, they, they just they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to shine a light on it. They don't want stories to be written about it. For whatever reason, they've decided not to put him on paid leave. I don't expect him to be put on paid leave before week one. So the question is, when the case resolves, how does it resolve and what will the punishment be after the fact? And the way it's going now, to get to the point where the legal case resolves, the league would do its investigation. We learned a lot about what happens now with the league's personal conduct policy because of Deshaun Watson's case. You have Judge Sue L. Robinson who gets involved and makes her decision. Then you got the appeal process. It is reasonable to think that we're going to get through the full season without any action being taken against Alvin Kamara because the immediate roadblock is resolving the criminal case. And if there's going to be a trial at some point, it's probably not going to be until calendar year 2023. So unless the league would decide to put him on paid leave. And if they want to, they can. Mm -hmm. But they've shown no inclination to do it. If they don't do that, he's free and clear all year long. And it's interesting because he's currently going as running back 12 on Yahoo. I think people were concerned about he, he's going to miss six games. He's going to have some sort of suspension. But again, because the wheels of justice grind slowly, as you put it, I actually think, again, it feels dumb to talk about him in a fantasy perspective given the seriousness of the charges. But from a fantasy football point of view, I think Alvin Kamara is actually an amazing value this year. We talked about him at the top of the show as well, that if he's going to play all games or at least be eligible to play all games this year, guy who's normally a top five fantasy running back going as running back 12 is a real value. And so I think that's really interesting. Mike, I know you talk to general managers and coaches and scouts around the league every single day. Give me one player for the people that aren't watching this. Give me one player that you're hearing the most buzz about in training camp so far. Well, this one seems pretty obvious just because he created so much buzz on Saturday night in the preseason opener against the Seahawks. But George Pickens, the Steelers receiver, the second rounder who tore the ACL in spring practice in 2021 and slid farther than maybe he should have. And that, yeah, there's some questions, but the Steelers have shown over the years that they know how to draft and develop great young receivers at every round. Their misses are far fewer and farther between than they are for any other team. They've had so many star players from rounds two through round seven. And and Pickens just instantly looks the part. And and for Buzz to be coming out of Steelers training camp, an old school team first atmosphere where it's not conducive to anyone being the centerpiece of attention, especially in a year when they're having their first quarterback competition in a generation. To me, that just shows how much talent this kid has because the Steelers would love to put a lid on any of that, and they can't. That's how good he is. The question is, who's getting him the football, and how effective will that part of the offense be, and how much will he even throw it with Najee Harris? But, but George Pickens is a fascinating talent at a time when they paid Deontay Johnson for a couple of years. Nobody knows what they really think about Chase Claypool. Is he going to be there long term? Pickens is a guy who can make a big splash right away. But again, it's all relative to how much the Steelers are even going to be throwing the football in 2022. I actually think they're going to be more successful throwing the football this year than they were last year. I honestly think Mitchell Trubisky 
and, and or Kenny Pickett would be an upgrade over what Ben Roethlisberger was last year. You know, genuinely, I mean, listen, Ben's a, Big Ben's a Hall of Famer, but not based on what he did last year. And so, as you said, Mike, when the Steelers draft a wide receiver, you pay attention. Uh, so I think Pickens is a really interesting player, and a lot of people do, by the way, now the favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. George Pickens Certainly is. a favorite dynasty pick, if nothing else. Uh, yep. Pickett to Pickens certainly has a nice ring to it. We'll see if it rolls that easily on the field as it does off the tongue. Mike Florio, we appreciate the insight, brother. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you throughout the year. Thank you, my new Great friend. Great talking to you guys. Oh, Take y'all gonna talk and, all the, and, yeah, y'all gonna talk all the time anyway. Y'all probably okay. gonna call each other after this. Yeah, stuff, we're gonna text you know. each other about how good the segment went. <laughs> My, my, Michael, I, I, the, the, the wall's there. The door's cracked open. All you got to do is, 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 is give it a little push. And okay. you're inside, too, if you want to be. I will, fi- I will find my way to your heart one way or the other, Mike. Right. Thank All you, All right, man. good deal, guys. <laughs> Take care. Josh Allen, have a great year. Thank Thanks you, a lot. Appreciate you. Oh, for NBC Sports, Bill's Camp, this is Peter King. All the best to you. You still got it? Yeah, we got it. Thank you. I'll see you. (laughs) We did it. Way to hang in the pocket there, Josh Allen, uh, (laughs) under pressure. Peter King is crisscrossing the country on his annual training camp tour. Today, he is in Irvine, California for Rams camp. Uh, But he joins us now from his very neat and well-kept hotel room (laughs) with his nice made bed. So he's getting mileage. He's getting hotel points and cool points with housekeeping because he's got a nice, neat hotel room expect I just, less I just like King. the fact that Josh Allen didn't waver he just he did he not was, he kept it there he, he stayed there. there and then you notice Peter like when he's done with his little like you know for NBC Sports on Peter King then he turns to him like sort of like hey that was great thanks like not even recognizing it and Josh I had no at the very, clue yeah at the very end if you notice Josh says why well, I had my hand out I was trying to shake and and then Peter's like just to misses it's like yeah yeah we got it we, we did a shake <laughs> we did, I shook your hand what are you doing Josh Allen there you go I like that smooth <laughs> But the great one, Matthew, the great one, great one was when I went to Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes had seen it. So before we started, <laughs> he, he wanted to do something afterwards to sort of stick it into Josh. Uh-huh. So uh, if you look at the, you know, the tape, the full tape, I'm not sure how much we actually ran of it, but he shook my hand once and he said, hey, let's. Give me another shake. Come on, come on in. <laughs> so he took a lot and, and he wouldn't let go of my hand. Anyway, that's fantastic. I think he uh, I think that was one quarterback sort of needling another. That's no. fantastic. It, it, the lesson is when you get left hanging, just hang in there and you can catch all of Peter's <laughs> training camp tour videos, of course, at youtube.com slash NFL on NBC. You got Peter, as you here. go on the rest of this tour and we saw the graphic before, I just think you should make it a goal to each time with the starting quarterback of that team make it a little bit of a longer handshake so that the, by the very end of the tour, it's like you and Davis Mills shaking hands for like 20 minutes. That's yeah. what I think it should be. Hey, yeah. I, 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 I hope I get to shake Matthew Stafford's hand today and I'll try to be gentle because I don't want to uh, aggravate his elbow. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, Listen, please don't. Shake his left hand. I, I was out there recently at Rams camp, and he's more irritated by questions about his elbow than he is the actual yeah. elbow. But we'll get to that yeah. uh, another time. But you mentioned Chiefs camp. You've been out there to Kansas City's camp. You have seen the Chiefs in person. How is that wide receiver, and for that matter, running back pecking order playing out around the aforementioned Patrick Mahomes? Well, I think it's given Mahomes really new life. It's definitely given Andy Reid new life because – they hear the outside world. 
they're really going to be diminished without Tyreek Hill. But I think the one guy here, you know, for fantasy purposes, who I'd be very interested in is Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, look, uh, McCole Hardman is going to get the opportunity to be Tyreek Hill in many ways. Maybe he will be. But all I know is that the day I was there, you know, I expected to see Juju Smith-Schuster planted in the slot like he was in Pittsburgh over the years. Juju Smith-Schuster was all over the formation. So that's one thing. He's deliriously happy, loves his role. Uh, It really has brought a a, a good spirit to Kansas City with him. Uh, And and the other guy who I think is going to be very interesting there is Sky Moore. I think Sky Moore will be a Swiss Army knife. I think he will be a poor man's Debo Samuel. And not I have no idea how much he'll play, how many snaps he'll get, but those are two guys that int- who intrigue me in Kansas City. Peter, I love the call of Juju Smith-Schuster, and I think you're absolutely right. I think people forget just how bad Ben Roethlisberger was the last two years, and People forget how good Juju was his first, his rookie year, his second year. He was explosive. He was making big plays down the field. And then they ended up turning him into, in Pittsburgh the last two years, they turned him into Ryan Switzer, like this possession receiver, because literally Ben's arm was shot and he couldn't go down the field. Now he goes from uh, Ben Roethlisberger to Patrick Mahomes. We talked early in the show about how big a quarterback upgrade makes. Think about Cooper Cup going from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford last year. Yeah. So going from last year Ben Roethlisberger to current day Patrick Mahomes is just a massive upgrade. And you consider the fact that with Byron Pringle and Tyreek Hill out, 219 targets from Andy Reid's offense last year are up for grabs. Look at this stat, Peter. Last year, uh, in his career, Juju Smith-Schuster's had 36 games where he's gotten seven or more targets. In those games, he averages 18.1 fantasy points per game. I think Juju is a fantastic value this year because everyone's like, is it going to be him? Is it going to be MVS? He was bad the last two years with Ben. I don't think they appreciate what you saw at Chiefs camp, which is that Juju is still, he's still 25. Yeah, I mean, people forget he's been in the league so long, they forget how young he was when he came in. So love the call of Juju. And as for Sky Moore, trendy sleeper. But after Kelsey and Juju, I don't know that there's enough targets to go around for consistent fantasy value for a third right. per- person in um, in the Chiefs offense. So Moore is a guy to I think is a better dynasty pick than necessarily a redraft guy, although I don't mind a late flyer on him in drafts. Yeah, the one other thing I would say is, you know, last year, and look, I'm not familiar with all the fantasy implications of this, but last year, Mark Andrews was everybody's darling in fantasy football, rightfully so. I would be surprised this year if Mark Andrews' production uh, outpaced Travis Kelsey's. And in in my feeling, or my my feeling is that the security blanket in Kansas City, particularly early, is going to be more important than ever. I really like Kelsey. Mm. And that's just the wide receiver room. Certainly a lot of intrigue at running back as well with Isaiah Pacheco uh, being a star at camp in the backfield. But let's move on to the Packers pass catchers like Patrick Mahomes losing Tyreek Hill. Of course, Aaron Rodgers lost Devontae Adams. How is that wide receiver hierarchy uh, taking form? Is it rookie Romeo Dobbs, uh, Aaron Rodgers' number one guy? That's how it looked to me when I was there. But, you know, again, Michael, I think we got to be careful of what happens 
in the summer. We have to be careful at training camp about what happens for a very simple reason. I've been doing this now for, I mean, honestly, I've been going to training camps for 38 years. And so often you get fooled by what you saw in one or two practices. What I saw in Green Bay was Romeo Dobbs, the fourth round pick from Nevada, uh, all over the field, getting tremendous respect from veteran defensive backs after catches you know, going up to him and tapping his helmet, you know, fist bumping, whatever. And you can tell that the respect is there. They think that this guy is a big timer and is going to play a big role right away. I think the biggest question is Christian Watson has missed some time, obviously with a bad back. Um, and, you know, Romeo Dobbs is just leap in front of him. And who knows what that portends for October and November. But for right now, I would be surprised if it wasn't uh, Lazard and and Dobbs 1A and 1B. I think their production is going to be close early. Wow, that would be fantastic if Dobbs somehow matched or was close to Alan Lazard's production because I think everyone's going into the season assuming Lazard's clearly the number one. And yeah, I think there was a lot of early buzz on Christian Watson when he got drafted, but I've heard Aaron Rodgers talk up Dobbs as well, hearing what you're saying yes. here as well, Peter, is interesting. Aaron Rodgers is not a guy that sort of blows smoke when he he's very specific in front of the media. And so for him to mention Dobbs in a positive light the way he has, I think has a specific reason. So I'm there. It is worth noting, obviously, with Devontae Adams now in Las Vegas, there's some massive fantasy appeal here in what we expect to still be one of the best offenses in the NFL with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Get this and with Alan Zard. He's had six different games in his career with six targets or more in those games. 16.1 fantasy points per game. Uh, Lazard had like a six for 146 and a touchdown in the one game that Devonte Adams didn't play last year as well. It would be hard for me to think he uh, Dobbs does that kind of production. But again, I think he's a name that isn't on a lot of people's radars at the moment. Peter Dobbs is being drafted in just 4% of Yahoo leagues, just 4%. So that hearing what you're huge saying, mistake. Huge, mistake. huge mistake. Absolutely. I mean, so, you're not if you're if you're not drafting uh, however many rounds you're going to have in your draft if you're not drafting if he goes undrafted in your league you just you're not paying attention he's going to have production in that offense yeah and if you're not listening to and reading peter king you're doing it wrong but we've known that for a lot of years long peter. time thank you so much for taking the time out man cheers uh we will pour you a drink next time we see you thank you make sure you michael check out i just want you to I just yes. want you to think of one name now, one name. Okay. Wondell Robinson. All you people in the last round of your draft, if okay. he's there, take him and thank me later. Will do. Wondell Robinson, New York Giants rookie wide receiver, second round pick out of Kentucky. Peter King's training camp tour videos available at youtube.com slash NFL on NBC. Thanks so much, Peter. All right, guys. Take care. Recommend our friend Roto Pat with his bold predictions. This is the fun time. We've been building to this. Yeah. It is time for some bold predictions. And Roto Pat, don't do nothing boring. Don't tell us something you said somewhere else. Don't tell us something that somebody else is saying. Be big, be bold, go hard, or go home, Roto Pat. So with that, give us your first bold prediction for the 2022 fantasy season. Yeah, I'm gonna do my best, but I was joking with someone yesterday, like 
I'm like so hyper conservative in my personal life. Like I count like my number of beers. <laughs> I wear shoes in the house. Like I'm a very conservative person and it's hard for me to be bold, but you know, it's, it's not that I don't think those thoughts, I just like don't want, ever want to share them. But all summer I've been thinking like, I don't want any part of Leonard Fournette this season. I don't think he's going to be a top 24 running back. And it's kind of been memory hold that before you know, Leonard Fournette was Lombardi Lenny, he was healthy scratch Lenny in December of 2020. He totally backed into that job. He has not done everything he could to keep it. He has missed six games the past two years. He quite infamously reported to minicamp at 260 pounds this summer. Uh, you know, they have breaking of three new starters along the interior line. Uh, he's an inefficient runner. He's never been an efficient pass catcher. He's not overly explosive after first contact anymore. You know, his touchdown totals have never been as crazy as you would expect in this offense because Tom Brady is so deadly in the red zone. And he's been really been buttering his bread and fantasy on those receptions. And it's just not a role like he's really made for. Like he, to his credit, he has, you know, done his best with it and like stepped in when they really needed him. But like they have Rashad White again. And people, I think, sort of assume like Keyshawn Vaughn bombed with Tom Brady. It's so hard for a rookie running back to gel with Tom Brady that like, we don't, some people like aren't really taking Rashad White seriously. But I mean, a third round pick. I, I think the Bucks have to see the same thing I see with Leonard Fournette on third down. It's just not a role that he's most natural at. And I think Rashad White is a real threat. And I just think things are kind of like building for Leonard Fournette after like a really charmed year and a half to just kind of yeah. fall in fantasy. All right. That's pretty bold. What you that got, is, Matthew? That give, is pretty bold. Well. And bowl we, we mentioned in the Zero RB segment, we mentioned Rashad White as somebody yeah. uh, to look at. He's Leonard Fournette, by the way, currently going as running back 11 yeah. on Yahoo. So for Rotopat to say, he won't finish inside the top 24. And again, it's a bold prediction. In fair, it's a bold prediction. Yes. But um, certainly something to look out for. So here's a bold prediction. Kirk Cousins over 40 touchdown passes. Is that poster, bold enough? Poster child for weight on quarterback <laughs> is Kirk Cousins for me. I love that prediction. Is that, Michael, is that, is that bold enough or do I need to go bolder with Kirk Cousins? Is that over bold? 40? No, I was going to go 50? No, 40 is great. That's thermonuclear, Matthew. That's <laughs> okay. thermonuclear. I want to make sure that was bold enough because – what I was going to say is, like, if I want to go Super Bowl, I say that Super Bowl, I might say Kirk Cousins leads the NFL in touchdown passes. I'm just telling you, look, getting Kevin O'Connell and getting Wes Phillips into that offense, I think people forget, like, I'd say, like, over 40 touchdown passes. He threw 33 last year. Yeah, his career high is 35. He, he, right, yeah. right. He's thrown over 30 each of the last two years. Um, and, again, that's when been a, with been a conservative offense, a defensive-minded head coach. Bottom 14 in, in, in pass rate last year? Yeah, they were bottom 14 in pass yeah. rate. The, yeah. the Vikings were. Yeah. And so, I think you think about what Matthew Stafford did last year in, this same, in, in a similar offense. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin O'Connell, certainly ha, ha, there, there is a little bit of experience there with, with, uh, with Kirk. Yeah, I think, I like I think that offense is going to explode. I think people are sleeping on it. Again, I love the weapons yeah. and I love the philosophy. So that's my bold prediction. It's a bold prediction that I don't that sounds bold, but I don't think is actually bold when you look at the numbers. Again, he threw 33 last yeah. year in a conservative offense. Yeah. For him to get seven more over the course of a season, it's not too much to ask. No, I, I feel the same way about my bold prediction. Y'all have set the bar high, but I'm gonna try to uh, maintain this level. Uh, Jamar Chase will not be the Bengals' number one fantasy wide receiver. Okay, that will be T. Higgins. Uh, T. Higgins was the Bengals' number one fantasy wide receiver the last seven games of the season. He was better than Jamar Chase. Uh, he missed three games last year and struggled with injury. 
and we see how he finished the year. You saw what he did in Super Bowl 56. Uh, he had 100 yards, six of his last 10 games. Uh, as I mentioned, better than Chase the last seven weeks. He led the Bengals in targets and receptions per game. So I feel like the Bengals certainly have enough to go around. I know you're not as high on Joe Burrow as a lot of people are, given where he's being drafted. Correct. But I believe that even though Jamar Chase is the better receiver, the guy that's, you know, obviously the more spectacular from a, a physical standpoint and their number one receiver, I think the better fantasy receiver this year is actually going to be T. Higgins. They have a connection there with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase is big play dependent. He yeah. has the ability to be so, but I don't think that's that bold either. I mean, look, I have both guys inside my top 12 at yeah. wide receiver, obviously. Yeah. Listen, I have, I have Chase at three. I have Higgins, I believe, at 10 right now. But still, like, yeah, I, I have no issue with saying T. Higgins is going to have a really, really good year. Roto Pat, your second bold prediction for the season. I would say yours, your guys' were immediately better than mine because they didn't involve betting <laughs> against Tom Brady. Um, so <laughs> I made a, like a, a cardinal sin there, like a fatal mistake. But I can't, for some reason, shake the You understand feeling. that I put, hey, Pat, you understand that that you, you, whereas you may be betting against Tom Brady, I am betting on Kirk Cousins. So, you know, I mean, it's, no, like, it's, it's like, you know. That's true. Well, but he's he's going to have yeah. the first 2,000-yard receiver in NFL history, Matthew, and Justin Jefferson. It's You're Ooh, making yeah. a Justin you Jefferson a, prediction? You snuck in another bowl one. I see you. That's a nice little <laughs> bonus, like bowl, there you go. bonus bowl prediction there. See, yeah, you're making a Jefferson bowl prediction as much as Kirk Cousins because that, that's how a bold Kirk Cousins prediction has to go down. Yes, so correct. just hitch the wagon to Justin Jefferson. I think it's very smart. My next, I have no idea if my second one is smart. And this is more of like kind of like a, a weird feeling I can't shake. This that I think Jalen Waddle is going to outpoint Tyreek Hill in PPR leagues. And I, I see Michael is saying uh, he's on wow. the he's on the same ship. And we know this offense is going to have to be more underneath than even the Chiefs as was in 2021, or you know rather infamously. The two high safeties kind of forced Patrick Mahomes to go much more of the short to intermediate routes. And Tyreek had a little success with that, but you know, the yards per catch, the, everything, the, the yards per catch is not a great metric, but everything that came way down for Tyreek Hill, I think there's room for that to fall in this offense that we just know is going to have to be yak focused. I mean, the Dolphins have talked about yak being like the single most important thing for their passing attack. And we know. You know, Tyreek Hill, maybe the, the most gifted accelerator, obviously the best deep speed in the NFL, could be cut out for that role. But we also know Jalen Waddle, a first-round pick, had 140 targets his rookie season. He already has so much rapport with Tua Tagovailoa, a role that we already know for a fact he can excel in. We're pretty sure Tyreek Hill can excel in the role and, you know, a very, very, very smart coaching staff. But it's just kind of like Tua is already in the role that we kind of need Tyreek Hill to have. And we've seen, we have some uh, data of Tyreek Hill with a pop a shot quarterback kind of guy with Alex Smith, where he was much more big play dependent. He had, you know, so many big plays with Patrick Mahomes, but he wasn't really big play dependent. Uh, but I think he's going to be more like big play dependent with Tua Tagovailoa. And also, I don't know if this is a good stat or not really, but uh, the, the Chiefs had 107 passing touchdowns over the past three years. The 49ers, where Mike McDaniel is coming from, had only 79. The Niners had only 15 more passing than rushing touchdowns over the past three years, where that number was 64 for the Chiefs, where just so much more of the scoring is going to come on the ground and in this offense than Tyreek Hill is used to. And just I just can't shake the feeling that we, we, we think Tyreek can adjust to this role but we know Jalen Waddle has already excelled in this role. 
And I think it kind of comes down to like how the touchdown luck shakes out. And if that's the only variable, I, I just am feeling really good about Jalen Waddle this year over Tyreek Hill. That is definitely bold, Pat. I will say this, like you were worried that they weren't bold enough. I think that is absolutely <laughs> bold enough that uh, Jalen Waddle will outscore the, what they signed Mike uh, Tyreek Hill to? Like $8 billion contract. Yeah. Matthew, it was a lot of money. It was, it was a, a lot, lot of money. Of money. It, was a, it was Michael Smith money is what it was. <laughs> it was. Michael Smith. It was like Michael Smith Amazon money. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's the kind of money that they're looking at for. Like, that's just, you know, it's like, you know, I know. And there are people out there saying like, oh, yeah, Kaylee Hartung is going to outscore Michael Smith. That's my bold prediction. More airtime. That's your number like, two? Yeah, that's, that's I, your number two. Okay. No, Matthew I was trying to think of somebody on the Amazon <laughs> broadcast. Matthew, but, that's uh, a big one, Matthew. That's my, yeah, that's my, that's yeah, that's my, number number, that's my okay. bold prediction number two. Yes. Kaylee Hartung I like, I like your over Michael there. Smith. I like your chances. Uh, no, listen, uh, my bold prediction, and if you saw me on the Hall of Fame game or – you picked up the, the road rule draft guide. It shouldn't be a surprise. Jalen Hurts finishes the year as the number one quarterback in fantasy. That is my bold prediction. We're supposed to go bold, right? Again, I go back to that second year that Josh Allen had in the NFL. We just came out of Jalen Hurts' second year. Josh Allen, all That's the criticisms with Josh yeah. Allen was the same as it was with Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. he's, he can run, but he's inaccurate. Well, in his second year, Jalen Hurts, more passing yards, Higher accuracy percentage, more rushing yards, same touchdowns, same interceptions, same touchdowns per game, I should say. Jalen Hurts over Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Year three, they gave Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, he became the number one quarterback in fantasy. Year three, they gave Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown. We know about the – it's one of the best offensive lines in football. It's actually a really easy schedule for the Eagles. Uh, second year, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard as well, mm. Nick Sirianni, second year in that system. Mm. Yeah, my bold prediction, Jalen Hurts finishes as the number one quarterback in fantasy this year. And Matthew, I'll just say there too, I'll just jump in on that real quick. Like the A.J. Brown isn't just about having like an elite target for Jalen Hurts. It's also someone like the defense has to roll coverage to, like yep. devote, resor devote resources to. That will help Jalen Hurts with his legs. And obviously as the guy who oversaw Jalen Hurts being on the cover of the magazine, I approve of your bold Jalen Hurts prediction. Yeah, how but high can Hurts fly? Matthew says number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, Right, but but to your by the way, they also they sort of have a running back by committee, but they don't have anyone that you know. Well, we we got to get Dalvin Cook 17 no. touches. You know, they don't have a guy like that. So whatever, Gainwell and Boston Scott and Miles Sanders is fine. But I think more often than not, Jalen Hurts is either going to keep it himself when they get in close, or you know, throw a jump ball to AJ Brown. And so right to your point, Pat, like just there's a lot of different paths for Jalen Hurts to score fantasy points this year. Uh, I currently have him at four. Yahoo drafters are taking him at QB eight. I think they're way too low. When my love his love hate list comes out, obviously Jalen Hurts is going to be a big love for me this year. And uh, look, it's half the reason why I came. Like NBC was like, "You want to join Roto World?" And I'm like, "I'm not sure." They <laughs> handed me the magazine, and I'm like, "I'm in." See Little you, did we know we were sealing the deal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think Javante Williams is going to finish as a top five running back. Okay. I don't. I mean, I know everybody's you know hyping up the Russell Wilson arrival and you know what it's going to do for Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and the passing game and Russ going cook and yada yada yada. Or even the fact that the Melvin Gordon's still very much in the picture in Denver. I think they in De in Denver they're going to see what Seattle did. That Russell Wilson is not a quarterback that you can say, hey, run this timing precision offense to perfection. He's more of an off-schedule kind of guy. He's more of a big play quarterback. 
they're going to realize that their best path to winning is running the football. And when they do run the football, if they don't already know it, they're going to realize that Javante Williams is significantly better than Melvin Gordon with all due respect. Javante Williams damn near forced as many missed tackles last year as Jonathan Taylor did. And we know how much more Jonathan Taylor carried the ball than Javante Williams did. He could also catch the ball. The dude is a violent, violent runner who could also make people miss. Javante Williams, big breakout at the running back position this year. Look, I don't hate that one at all. I mean, there's an easy, well, we saw it, right? That, that, that game, I think it was against Kansas City, right? That Melvin Gordon missed uh, 29 touches, 108, 178 scrimmage yards. He scored a touchdown, almost 30 yeah. fantasy points. We saw the potential. I think everyone, everyone agrees the talent is there. Yeah. We expect the offense the to be a lot more efficient yeah. and in scoring position more often with Russell Wilson. To me, Pat, the only question is Melvin Gordon. But whether he has a much more reduced role with a new coaching staff um, that has nothing invested in him, like, you know, the, the NFL kicked the tires on him. And he had to come back to Denver. Yeah. He was a free agent out play, there. Yeah, so. play the best guys, man. You know, you could, you could have him on the contract all you want. Like, Javante Williams is better than Melvin Gordon. Yeah. So, it, it, I, go ahead, Pat. What are you going to say? say? Melvin Gordon, like you said, is the variable there. We did have NFL Network's James Palmer on the podcast where he said it looks like much more of like a 1A, 1B situation where it was like 50-50 last year. He said this year it does appear clear that Javante is the 1A. And, Michael, this is kind of the same point I made with Jalen Hurts. Now that Russell Wilson's there, I mean, he's not going to be facing near – I mean, defense is new last year. The Broncos had to run the ball, and he's mm -hmm. still posting those insane metrics, like you said. Just such a better overall environment for Javante Williams this year. Hey, Roto Pat, that was pretty bold of you, man. You did a good job. Don't undersell yourself. Yeah. No, you, you came with the boldness. I okay? say I have these thoughts. I just don't usually share them, but – Okay. You know, you got to no, do it. Well, we, and, you know, we won't is, hold it against this, you. This is a safe space. Yeah, we won't hold it yeah, against you. This is a safe space. And I look forward to Leonard Fournette finishing as the RB7 now, but that's, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> All right, man. We appreciate it, Rotopad. Thank you so much. All right, Matthew Berry. There you go, that, man. Uh, that just about does it for us, man. I mean, um, the only thing left for you is your ride or die, but we're going to hold that in your back pocket. We're going to we, tease your ride or die. August 22nd. I've been getting a lot of people ask me on Twitter, hey, when are you going to do a podcast? When can I listen to the podcast? And the answer is August 22nd. We will have a new show that will be on Peacock. It will be on the new NFL on NBC YouTube channel, and it will be available wherever you get podcasts. That very first show, August 22nd, I will reveal the 2022 fantasy ride or die. Fantasy ride or die. My fantasy ride or but die. But I'm your real ride or die because you stuck with me for this season. Appreciate you, my friend. Oh, I should have Peter Kingsley just now. I know. You're, 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 like you're stuck with me for this season. <laughs> That'll do it for the Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide Show. Oh, hey. Thank you, Peter. All right, there you go. There you go. Thank you. <laughs>